This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Everybody, this is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Happy Friday! Thanks for starting your weekend with me, as we do each and every Friday morning. We are inviting you to ask me questions about anything, whatever subject tickles your fancy. I will do my best to answer it because it is time for the other side of midnight. Proudly presents Ask Frank. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Whatever you have questions about, I will do my best to answer them. Now we have a new phone line for today uh, because we're still waiting for Verizon to resolve the uh, phone issues that we've been dealing with. But this backup phone number seems to be working pretty well. Uh, The number is 833-969-4447. That's 833-969-4447. Now, if you're like me and you prefer to spell numbers out instead of just read them, that's 833-WOW-GIGS. 833-WOW-GIGS. Gigs with uh, G-I-G-S, not 2G. 833-WOW-GIGS. Now, um, what can you ask questions about? If this is your first time answering, you know, listening to this show and this portion of the show, the short answer is I'll do my best to answer your questions about anything. Now, if you ask me a question about nuclear fission, I can't really do much for you. If you ask me a question, you sort of a, an obscure trivia question. I don't know that that's that much of an interesting conversation. I'll either know the answer or that I won't. So I don't know where that goes from here. So we like open-ended conversation. Um, we like questions that produce conversation. Ideally, questions that people can be listening at home and say, oh, that's how I'd answer this and answer it this way. So if you have questions about the radio business, if you have questions about uh, the political process, if there's anything that you are curious about that I've ever been up to or if you care to know my opinion on anything, now is the time to ask anything you like. 800-848-WABC, as we do a good old-fashioned Ask Frank Anything. Let me begin with Audrey in Brooklyn. Hello, Audrey. Good morning, Frank, and thank you for taking my call. Oh, sure. I have a question, and then I'm going to tell you why I asked. Do you remember what you said at the beginning of your show Monday? Monday? Are you crazy? I don't remember what I said at the beginning of this show three minutes ago. Okay, you said at the beginning that you didn't want to talk about the shooting in Buffalo because it would make you cry. And I just want to tell you that touched my heart all week. And I waited till Friday so I could ask you, do you remember it? But I'm glad you said it. And you're going to make a great father. Oh, well, you're very nice to say that. Thank you, Audrey. You know, I do find I cry more than I used to these days. I used to not cry at anything. Now I find that I cry, you know, at a uh, – I find I cry all all the time. I I cry over a a sentimental crosswalk signal these days. I'm crying all the time these days. (laughs) Audrey, uh, thank you for the nice compliment. I appreciate it. 
Thank you. 800-848-WABC. We do have fewer phone lines today, uh, but they're all working. That's the nice thing. So if you have um, if you don't get through, if you get a busy signal, just wait until I say goodbye to someone and then call back. That means a phone line is opening. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Mike in New Jersey. Hello, Mike. Good morning, Frank. Uh, Frank, you just gave the wrong phone number. Oh, did I? Oh, it's 833-969-447. Excuse me. Old habits die hard. I was going to suggest that. So my question is, if you can reverse engineer your life and start at 95 and get progressively younger, would you do it? Well, so like a Benjamin Button kind of a thing? Yeah. Um, would I start at 90? Well, I don't know. I don't really know what I would gain by that. Wouldn't it be essentially just the same life, just lit with a, just about the same amount of time? Well, yeah. I mean, progressively, say you're in good health at 95, you would get um, progressively younger. You would feel better. Um, yeah, be you know, do things I'm going to say no. Of experience. It's a good question. Uh, and thank you, Mike. I'm going to say no because I saw that movie, um, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and and I'm sure that has influenced my decision on this. But um, you know, ideally, when when and look, my my decision might be different if I was still single. But when you meet someone and you get married to them, you know, even if they're a little younger than you, you envision this as somebody that you can grow old with, right? And live your twilight years with. So if I'm aging backwards and my wife is not, then I don't really – I don't see that going well. And there's sort of a natural order of things, right? I mean my son is uh, six months old now. Uh, what I really want to be – you know, I, I, I the way it works is you know, I see him through his youth and then maybe when I'm older, he looks after me a little bit. But uh, what I really want to be in a position where – I'm five months old or, you know, a year old and my son is 60 or 70? I don't think so. I don't think so. So the answer, as intriguing as it is, I think the answer is no. All right. Our our number is 833-969-4447. We're doing an Ask Frank Anything. 833-969-4447. Uh, let me say hello to Stephen in New Jersey. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Frank. Hey, look, a couple months ago, you played Frank Zappa a couple times. And who picks your music? Well, it was always me. And then we had um, a- an issue with licensing of music, and we had to work from a very specific uh, catalog of music. And then I was not able to exercise as much control as as I would have liked. So now um, the way it works now is I send uh, Matt Blaze a daily list of music to either play or if uh, we don't have the rights to a certain song, then I guess he'll pick something to play. But, you know, I, I don't always get informed whether we have the rights to a song, so I don't always get to pick an alternative song for that segment. So it's uh, it's either Matt Blaze or me. Well, was that your pick, Hot Rats, when you played Zappa? You know, I don't remember. Matt Blaze, do you remember if that was my pick or yours? I don't even remember playing yeah, I, that. I, I, yeah, I don't remember. I, I, I'm sure there was some well, reason that I played it, but I don't remember. Well, well, that alone 
got me hooked on you. Oh, wonderful. Well, I'm still waiting. Then it was me. <laughs> hey, I like what I hear. Thank you. Good night. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, 833-969-4447. That's uh, 833-969-4447. Uh, let me say hello to Neil on Staten Island. Hello, Neil. Hey, Frank. Uh, this isn't really my question, but uh, when, you, when you mentioned the music, isn't there a, um, a license that you have to get that will allow you to play all the music? Uh, doesn't the station pay for – I mean, it can't be that bad for a whole radio station to just buy a license. Well, I mean, we pay – We like, again, I don't know the details, but we pay for the music that we play. Yeah, I think there's one license that allows you to play everything. But no, there's not. There's not. There's, there's not. not. Okay. Well, okay. Here's my question, Frank. You're home at you're home at night. You're relaxing, and you get the the phone call that you really dread. It's the Bagada saying they're calling in your marker on Baccarat, <laughs> and they've lent you a lot of money, and uh, they want some sort of collateral to show that you're good for it. Now they been watching your videos and they know all about you. Uh, they want you to give them one of three things on your bookshelf. Which is the most valuable thing that you would give them? Would it be the Teddy Roosevelt bobblehead, <laughs> the McKinley mug, or the ass man plate? Well, I, I don't have a McKinley mug. I have a McKinley bobblehead doll. I have a James Garfield mug. Uh, but, uh, uh, I, you know, I guess it depends on what they would take. I am pretty confident that I could get another Theodore Roosevelt uh, bobblehead doll or another um, uh, James Garfield mug. I'm not necessarily confident that I could convince somebody to send me another Ass Man license plate. <laughs> well, thank you, Frank. Thank, thank you, Neil. Neil, of course, sent me that. Uh, 833-969-4447. We're doing an Ask Frank Anything. Uh, let me say hello to uh, Jennifer. In Yonkers. Hello, Jennifer. Hi, Frank. Yes, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Oh, sure. I, um, Thank you. Yes, I just wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts on homeschooling? Well, uh, so I, um, I have, I have varying views. Right, uh, I have spoken with a number of parents. And a number of people that have been homeschooled, another parent, a number of parents that have homeschooled, and they swear by it. It's the only thing uh, they would do. Now, um, I have always been a little reticent to embrace homeschooling for my own children, uh, just because. And I'm just going to disconnect you, uh, Jennifer, because your phone's a little weird. But I've always been a little uh, reticent when it comes to homeschooling for my own children because I was concerned uh, – I am concerned about social development. I think there's – in addition to the educational element of school, I think there's a very important element in terms of learning social interaction with both your peers and adults that I think serves you well later in life. And I, I, I'm, I'm sure she won't appreciate me saying this because this is a sore subject in our house. But my wife was homeschooled until, until she was in high school, and so were all of her eight siblings. And I can't speak for all of my siblings-in-law, but my wife hated it. My wife absolutely hated it. She actually considered it uh, – I mean, I don't, I don't want to speak for her here, but she considered it a form of child abuse. She thought it was terrible. And the stories that I've heard from parents during the pandemic who all of a sudden found themselves having to do remote learning instead of uh, sending their children to school and interacting with people – 
That has made me a believer in in-person schooling more than anything. I heard from teachers, administrators, parents, psychologists, doctors, pediatricians, child health advocates, and almost overwhelmingly, these folks said there was a value, a tremendous value, to having their children learn in school. And that's sort of where I come down. Uh, So if you think homeschooling works well for you, that's great. Uh, and I'm not I'm not in favor of making it more difficult, um, but it's not a choice that I would make for for my son or if we have more children in the uh, in the future. Eight hundred eight four eight W A B C. Mark is in Garden City. Hello, Mark. Mark, I got gotcha. you. All right, Mark has uh, other priorities. Freddie is in Flushing. Hello, Freddie. Hey, how are you, buddy? Long time no speak. I have a question. I called a few times before. I have a quick question, and then if I can squeeze one more in up sure. to you. Um, with Antarctica, I'm wondering if you think that we can go beyond the wall, meaning that Antarctica is actually not a continent. Here's why I say this. No one's allowed to fly due north or due south, and I mean straight, on a straight line. We'll get stopped by Navy ships on both sides. I had a friend who served down in Antarctica, and he told me that he can't even talk about it. And that's strange because I know him my whole life. The point being, I want to know your take. If you think that Antarctica truly is a continent or are we surrounded by an ice wall? Well, you know, I've heard this theory from others, and obviously I have no idea. Uh, so I am interested in learning more. I, I think there's something very mysterious about Antarctica. So I don't know if um, – the government or several governments are uh, trying to keep some major secret in Antarctica or if this is just something that, um, I don't know, uh, people on the Internet and others have tried to kind of get people worked up about. It. The truth is, I have no idea. Uh, I'm not ready to embrace the wall theory yet, Freddie, but um, I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not ready to close the door on it either. Can I squeeze in one sure. more question? Go ahead. Do you, and this is a very important question, and it's not political, nor is it racism. My question to you is, do you believe what's going on in Ukraine and how they're making Zelensky out to be a kind of Dr. Fauci and pushing him forward? Do you believe that that's all a farce, or do you believe we're re- we really should be sending money there, not knowing where it's going, meaning that it was the most corrupt country on earth at one point? We admitted that years ago, and now all of a sudden... They're pushing him like a a Fauci, if you will. I think there's something very concerning about the way the media is portraying Zelensky as if he's this this hero. And look, um, so I um, I don't I don't know if it's as much of a concerted agenda as it sounds like you might embrace, Freddie. But I do think um, it's sort of this this media brainwashing. I mean, I saw some poll numbers and again, I'm reluctant to believe too much of poll numbers, but I saw some poll numbers last week that have Zelensky in America, the most popular leader in the world. 70% of Americans... Which is very dangerous. No kidding. No kidding. 70% of Americans approve of Zelensky, a guy who shut down opposition media, a guy who threw his political opponent in jail, a guy, and and is trying him for for treason, essentially, a guy who has no problem partnering with neo-Nazis in the Azov Battalion, and yet at the same time has no problem invoking the Holocaust when it comes to get Western countries 
countries to to side with him. I, I find uh, it really bizarre that 70 percent of this Absolutely. country thinks this guy is the most popular world leader, including over their own world leader, the guy they just voted for. So right. I, I don't know that it's a conspiracy. And thank you, Freddie. I don't know that it's a conspiracy on the part of the government or anybody else to you know, to make uh, Zelensky out to be this hero. I think it's more a reflection of Zelensky is very media savvy. Look, he's a great actor, a very good comedian. He's great on that show, uh, Servant of the People, which you can watch on Netflix. He, I mean, he, I think it was Scott Ritter that was on this show that said this would be like the United States making Martin Sheen president, right? Uh, and I think it's true to some extent. And Zelensky is very media savvy. He knows how to work the international media better than anybody. And yet I'm watching a lot of these people that get so worked up over George Soros funded DAs. You know, I I feel like every day I hear a different conservative pundit warn me about a George Soros funded DA. Well, why are you not concerned about the amount of money that George Soros spent supporting Zelensky's campaign? I, I, I just there's this disconnect between St. Zelensky and everything else. Now, I'm not saying people shouldn't support Zelensky, and I'm not saying that um, if you think it's a wise thing to send $40 billion in aid to Ukraine, military aid, which is $7 billion more than the president asked for, um, go ahead, advocate for that. I just find it incredible that people are willing to give this guy the Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, there is just this, this Zelensky awe But as we've seen, you mentioned the example of Fauci. I also think a comparable example is Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo during the pandemic was one of the most popular figures in the whole country. And now um, I think most people see him for what he is, whether they're Democrat or Republican. And I think you might see the same thing with Zelensky down the line. All right. 833-969-4447. We have two open lines. We're doing an Ask Frank Anything Whatever you have questions about, we'll do our best to answer them. 833-969-4447. Let me say hello to Mark in Garden City, who has called back. Hello, Mark. Hey, Frank. Hey. Frank. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, does your wife get annoyed when Curtis does his weekend conspiracy theories about you? Uh, No. No. Honestly, she couldn't care less. One... She, you know, I'd say she gets annoyed more when Curtis calls me six times a day when we're, you know, when we're together and trying to enjoy some family time. And, you know, I I, and I get a call and it's Curtis. You know, she calls Curtis my boyfriend because he calls so often. So she, <laughs> she doesn't listen to what um what what Curtis says at night. You know, she's rarely up at night. If she is up at night, she's rarely listening to the radio. Um, but no, she doesn't get annoyed, and she knows it's just stick. Uh, she knows how close Curtis and I are, and uh, she's not uh, bothered by it in the least. When she hears it, does she think it's funny? Uh, you know, I think she only hears it when I play it on the air, and I think oftentimes she does think it's funny. Some, and, and, and so do I. I got to tell you, I think Curtis is uh, a very gifted uh, uh, satirist. Uh, so I think, um, I think, you know, I, I'd say she finds it funny about sixty percent of the time that she hears it. How do you like that? Yeah, I. It's very funny. I mean, it's hilarious. Yeah. No. Look, Curtis is one of the great wits of this or any at any time. Mark, thank you very much for the call. Um, all right, three open lines. It, we're doing an Ask Frank anything. New number. The number is eight three three 
833-969-4447. That's 833-969-4447. Uh, let me tell you what's coming up on the show. And again, if you prefer, if you're one of those people that prefer to spell out numbers, the numbers 833-WOW-GIGS. 833-WOW-GIGS. And so far, phones are working great. My thanks to our engineering department and management and ownership for making it uh, such a priority to get um, get these phones working again. So, so far, it's working great. 833-WOW-GIGS is our number. That's 833-969-4447. Next hour, Dr. Turi is going to be here. He's the fellow that made all those predictions. He's going to – we're going to review those predictions with him, see how he did. Also talk about the UFO hearings this week. George G. is going to be here, the terrific orchestra band leader, and uh, he's going to be here around 3.30. And – in the 4 o'clock hour, Marlena Schiavo and David Schwartz are going to be here. So we got an action-packed show. We're just getting started. And now we're getting started with answering your calls on any subject. 833-969-4447. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. In the deep. If you ever want to know what kind of music we're playing on the show, uh, just join our Facebook group. Um, just search on Facebook, Morano Radio Fans and Haters. That's M O R A N O Radio Fans and Haters. Right now, there's a heated debate on there about one, about about three things: about one tab, two, whether or not I was accurate when I said Marlena Shivo is a fan favorite or not. And three, uh, whether or not the segment on words yesterday was boring. So if you want to weigh in on any of that or know the music that we play on a regular basis, just uh, jump on the Facebook page or the Facebook group, Morano Radio Fans and Haters. In the meantime, we are in the midst of... The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank... Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. If you have questions about just about anything, now's the time. Film, television, books, business, radio, the business of radio... 
cocktails, advice, my personal history, pro wrestling, gambling, Atlantic City, local politics, national politics, restaurants, New York, the criminal justice system, aliens, the mob, hypothetical questions, my personal preferences, relationships, baseball, the culture at large, religion or foreign policy or anything else that I haven't named. Now's the time. 800-848-WABC. Paul is in White Plains. Hello, Paul. Yeah, I got a silly question and serious question. All right, I'm ready for both. Uh, uh, who does the Frank Morano song? Well, they're the the one that we play at the at the in the at the end of the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's yeah. two. There's two. One is written by Andy B, and uh, the newer one that we've been playing is written by or, or and performed by a gentleman named Stevie G. Is he going to be on tour? <laughs> I hope so. If another people, uh, if another people, if enough people download uh, that song, "The Other Side of Midnight" on iTunes, maybe you never know. He sounds like a real swinging lounge act. The <laughs> Frank Morano show. I thought it was you being sarcastic, like it was actually you. No, like, come on, let's go back and record it. All right. What is your other question? Uh, Frank Colombo, somebody named Huddy just died. He was instrumental with uh, the Godfather movie. And uh, Joe Colombo sued and insisted the word mafia not be used in the Godfather. Well, he didn't sue. It was sort of an under-the-table agreement. Isn't there a certain irony that it was Joe Colombo saying such a thing? Well, yeah. I mean, Joe Colombo was the head of the Italian-American Civil Rights League. Isn't there a great... uh, uh, Well... There's a great irony there. I, I don't know. The, and, wh- and why not when the whole movie is about mafia anyway? Isn't it kind of redundant? I don't know. Not redundant. Uh, I don't know. You make a movie about mafia. The whole movie is about mafia. You can't say mafia. I don't. Is that is that a, a cultural thing? Like, we don't use that word. Yeah, I, I, don't I don't know. know. I don't know. I mean, I know that Joe Colombo was very, very adamant about making sure it wasn't included. And thank you, Paul. I don't view The Godfather as a film about the mafia at all. I view it as a film about a family, um, several of whom happen to be gangsters. And uh, that's how Coppola has viewed the film. But, uh, you know, I guess that's the nice thing about art is it's subjective, right? And you can uh, judge you can judge it for what it is. So uh, it is what it is. Uh, all right, 833-969-4447. i also try and get a few email questions in. If you want to email me, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. Jennifer is in Boston. Hello, Jennifer. Hi, Frank. Hi. Hi there. I had um, two, two questions. One's a little quicker, if that's okay. Um one is a follow-up. I had talked to you about Julie Kelly in January 6th, the book. Yes, we. I'm told we have a, a request into her. Okay, yeah. I, I Not to sound pushy or anything, but I would love if you would follow up, because we have political prisoners in our own country. It's a disgrace. It really is. So a lot of people don't know, and there's already been one suicide. And I just think it's a tragedy. Yeah, I, I so. will follow up on that today, actually, Jennifer. Yeah, I appreciate that. Again, not trying to be you know pushy, but it's appreciated. Um, and the other thing is, the other Jennifer <laughs> had brought up, um, I think it was her that brought up schooling. Right, homeschooling, um, yes. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with, I know you're familiar with CRT and that sort of thing, you know, are you familiar with the sexual uh, protocols? That are, well, 
let's put it this way, not just the things that are in the library. And if you've watched any of these school board meetings and the parents' outrage at the utterly pornographic things that yes, are in middle yes. school. Yes, no, I, I, I think it's abhorrent, absolutely. Yeah, and also, though, there's actually a curriculum through the uh, Department of Education. And if you put up, like, if I tried to put up a drawing or something, if I had a TV show, I could be arrested for kiddie porn. There are lawyers that won't let them, you know. So my thing is, I don't know why, and I'm not questioning you as a person, I'm just saying this group of people, people seem outraged, but people still send their kids there. That's that's what I don't get. Well, so, so, I so, know you're, perhaps you could enlighten me as to, like, why, like would you still do that, knowing that your child is going to face something that, you know, I would think would be, at, um, you know, a family's place, and certainly not at the time and place that... They were talking all about pornography. Do you watch porn in a cartoon, Frank, for first and third graders? About yeah. watching porn. Why not? It's free. Right. And well, so uh, I, I, let me just try and see if I can nail down sure. your and question I, a bit more. I know. Yeah. I know. So, Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, no, no. I know it's a, an emotional um, issue. Um, so the question is, if that kind of conduct, if that kind of um, – material was in in my school district would i still want my child to go to that school is that the question or is it a little yeah well so why would it be okay because it's in it's in more school districts in red states it's everywhere because they're holding back finances from through the department of education right right and uh, a lot of people don't know how graphic like i said frank i heard a cartoon the other day it was about uh, it, was, it, it was third graders. It might have also been first graders. It's easily third graders. They were, and they were talking about kids watching porn. You know, do you watch porn? I do. And, uh, you know, people have sex and it's free to watch. And, well, so I, I haven't seen that uh, cartoon, Jennifer. It sounds totally inappropriate. If that kind of thing was in my child's school district, I would not be okay with that. And maybe we'd send our child, not if not to the public school, maybe to a private school. I'm not opposed to that at all, uh, but that uh, I the way you phrase it, assuming that's accurate, I think that's terrible. Um, I wish I had a more intelligent answer, but I don't. Uh, Alfredo is in Newark. Hello, Alfredo. Yeah, good evening, Frank. Frank, if you were a millionaire and uh, you already have your own children, I don't know how many would you like to have in your family, uh, would, would you uh, think to adopt more children? Uh, so if I had if I had children in my own family and money was not a concern, would I adopt more children? Is that the question? Yes, sir. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I like um, you know I I love children. I love uh, I love raising children, and I know a lot of families that um, that have adopted children, and uh, those children have become a pretty important and pretty integral part of their family. So yes, um, I think so. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. 800, excuse me, 833-969-4447. I can promise you that's going to happen pretty often today. That's 833-969-4447. Uh, we're answering your questions about anything at all within reason. Uh, Dave is in Rockland County. Hello, Dave. Hey, Dave. Frank, I wanted to ask you, uh, are you aware of the fellow who asked about whether we're surrounded by a wall of ice? Doctor, be, being part of the wall of ice, are you aware that that's the flat Earth theory? Yes, yes. Uh, I, I, I've talked to flat Earthers, and um, and they've said that. Um, but um, you know, look, I do think this. Sorry, go ahead. But my question is this: 
you are actually unsure about that, why don't you ask the astronomer you have on once in a while? He thinks of that. I think he's a pretty smart guy. And by the way, you can just look at pictures of the Earth from outside the Earth. You'll see Antarctica. There's no wall of ice surrounding everyone. Yeah, well, again, I, I said, I think, uh, David, that I, I couldn't say uh, with certainty, but um, I certainly don't think the Earth is flat, right? Uh, I mean, I, I, as far as I know, Antarctica is a continent. I have no reason to dispute that, and all the scientific authorities seem to agree on that. Um, is there some wall of ice? I, I don't know. I mean, he seemed to cite some authority that uh, that indicated that folks were prohibited from going there. I, I can't speak to that. Um but I certainly don't think the earth is flat. I'll say that. All right. Uh, 833-969-4447. Gerard, excuse me, Lamar is uh, in the Bronx. Hello, Lamar. Okay. Good morning, uh, Professor Morano. Morning. How you doing? Great. Okay. All right. Good, good. Hope Rachel and baby Carmine are great, too. Thank All you. Right. Everyone's doing wonderful. Thank you. Great, great. Okay, Professor, listen, a quick mobster question. All right. Uh, okay, did Charlie Lucky, okay, Luciano, did he bump off his childhood friend, Benny Siegel? You know, I don't think so. I've actually looked into this mm-hmm. a great deal, and um, okay. no, I, I don't think so. I, I think that mm. um, Bugsy Siegel was probably murdered as a result of his um, of his relationship with uh his his girlfriend his uh his paramour there yeah uh, that's my that's my view but uh, and that's the view that i've heard Mm. from a lot of kind of old school gangsters and others people that have researched this but again just like with the question with antarctica i have no way of knowing no idea all right uh 833-969-4447 that's 833-969-4447 all right, this is uh, an email here, um, and I'll try and get to a few email questions as well. If you have, if you hadn't made the fortuitous connection with John Katzmatidis years ago, who subsequently bought WABC, do you think you'd still be stuck at your former job of producing a show at that less prestigious station with its weak signal and low listenership? If not... Where do you think you would be or might be today? That's a great question. I wonder that same thing. You know, and we're going to do um, in about a half hour, I think we'll do a segment where we ask people about different breaks that they've gotten in their lives and how that's changed their lives. There's no doubt about the fact that uh, getting to know John, and I've told him this many times, and publicly and privately, and the fact that he then bought this radio station was a life-changing event for me. So now, if he didn't do that, um, would I would I be here? I don't know. I hope so. I, I had been trying to get on the station every day in this very time slot before John even was talked about as an owner of the station. So I'd like to think that I would still be doing exactly this, but I don't know. I had um, explored, you know, uh, running for city council in 2021, but I was going to start, you know, ramping up a campaign for that beginning in like 2019 or 2020, even as unlikely as that would have been to come to fruition. But I was looking at that if, 
a uh, if this show didn't come to fruition. So maybe I would have done that. Maybe I would have gotten elected. Maybe I wouldn't have gotten elected. You just never know what other opportunities would have uh, been there. So the, the I'm trying to answer the question honestly. I'd, I, my hope is that I would still be here. But the God's honest truth is I have no idea. Eddie is in New Jersey. Hello, Eddie. Hi, I want to ask you about music. All right, Eddie, go ahead. Do you like Israeli music? Israeli music? Yeah, like a specific one. Like, is the artist is Yishai Rebo? Is he uh, I'm not. I'm not making out what you're saying exactly. It's like a specific artist. His name is Yishai Rebo. You know, if I've heard him, I'm not familiar with him. Oh, you should listen to him. He's really good. Well, give me the name again. Wor Wor Sharibo. No, it's I'll tell you how it's spelled. It's I S H A Y. Okay. Space R I B O. All right. Well, we will look into him, uh, Eddie. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Eight three three nine six nine four four. Four seven. That's eight three three nine six nine four 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 seven. And we will give a prize out to whomever comes up with the best question today. Uh, whoever comes up with the best question, we will um, do our best to give you, you know, a nice piece of uh, WABC swag. Right? What it is, I'm not exactly sure. We will see. All right. Um, this is a question via email. Ellen writes, uh, hi, Frank, you've often shared with us many of your endeavors and hopes vis-a-vis -vis political changes you'd want to make. For example, ranked choice voting, uh, the, et cetera. You've worked for so many years and haven't always had the success you'd hope for. Do you ever get discouraged? Yes. Yes, absolutely. You get discouraged. Um, you know, it's funny when I was working with the, with, with when I was in the leadership of the independence party for a long time. It was, you know, and then subsequently the Reform Party. It was very, very discouraging. I mean, it was an enormous amount of work, an enormous amount of time. It was you have you end up having so many of your friends hate you. You um, go through all this work, all this time, and ultimately feel like you're spinning your wheels like a hamster on a on a wheel. And feel like you really haven't made much of a difference. And then so at first you keep doing it because at first you do it because you hope that you can make change. Right. And then uh, after a few years, it becomes very likely that you can't make any change, that the forces of status quo are going to stop you every time. Then you keep doing it because you have influence, because You've developed relationships with uh, senators and uh, legislators and uh, governors and, you know, political party leaders. And you feel like you have influence, right? And it's nice to get invited to the, the good dinners, right? And then after that wears off, because that, that gets pretty old quickly, you do it for ego. Same reason. It's great to have governors and senators call you Mr. Chairman. Then after it becomes clear that you're not going to make a difference most of the time that your influence is not all it's cracked up to be and that um, ego can only be stroked so much, then you keep doing it because you've kept doing it. And you just keep doing it because that's what you do. When the petitioning season starts, you're out there getting petitions because that's what you do. When it comes time to interview candidates and pick candidates, you interview them and you do it because that's what you've always done. So, yes, 
answer, honestly, is you absolutely get discouraged. And, you know, it, it honestly took an enormous amount of self-control on my part this year to not run a whole slate of independent candidates um, in New York State this year. I was looking at, you know, bringing back the Independent Party or the Independence Party or the Reform Party. You know, we were kind of up in the air what we were going to call it. And I, and I had a whole plan put together. And I had to stop myself because I realized and remembered all the frustrations, not only that it led to for me, but for all my family and friends. So, And, you know, part of the deal that I made with myself when I had the opportunity to do this show was that I would leave a lot of that stuff behind. Uh, but it, a lot of times it's tougher to leave it behind than you might like. All right. Um, 833-969-4447. Let me say hello to Jacqueline in Brooklyn. Hello, Jacqueline. Good morning, Frank. I wonder if you can uh, answer a question for me. I'm curious, since John Katsimatidi's 5 o'clock show is broadcast on the other station that you also used to be on, is there any connection between Red Apple Media? Uh, does John Katsimatidis have any interest, as far as you know, or uh, the other company that the other radio station is under ownership of? Well, you know, that's a good question. I've wondered that same thing myself, honestly. And uh, I think the answer is uh, I don't think it would surprise me if John ended up um, uh, owning owning that station as well. I don't know that that's going to happen, but it would definitely would not surprise me. Like if John were to buy the New York Mets, that would surprise me. If he were to buy um, a, that particular radio station that you're referring to, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, because I know it's under another uh, media or broadcast company name, not Red Apple Media. So I was curious why, you know, his program, his 5 o'clock show. Well, remember, he was on there first, right? So he was on there both doing a 5 p.m. show on Wednesdays and a Sunday morning show before he took over ownership of this station. And the thing that you you got to know about John, and if you've ever met him or deal with him, you learn this pretty quickly, is he's... He's unfailingly loyal. So I think he felt like he didn't want to jam up that former station and that he had sort of a a loyalty to them. And he built an audience with them. So I I don't think he wanted to give all that up. But the answer is it wouldn't surprise me if he bought it. Okay. Thanks, Frank. Thank you. 833-969-4447. This is an email question here from Mike. What is your least favorite episode of Seinfeld? Ooh. You know, Seinfeld is like pizza and sex, right? Even if it's bad, it's still pretty good. So if I had to pick my least favorite episode, it's very difficult because even the worst que- the worst episodes are still better than the average episode of any any other show. If I had to pick one, it would be the episode Male Unbonding from the first season. The first season had a few weak episodes, including some people didn't like the pilot or whatever. That's the one, even though I relate to what Jerry's going through in this episode, where uh, Jerry's friend won't take a hint. And he's bothering him all the time. And he's always trying to hang out with him and get him to go to basketball games. And Jerry's desperate to try and foist him on anyone else. So it would be that episode, Male Unbonding. In terms of a least favorite recurring character, you know, honestly... I don't know that I could pick one. 
I mean, uh, Newman is great. George Steinbrenner is great. Even though we never see him, um, you know, Bob Sacamano is great. George's parents are great. Jerry's parents are great. A least favorite, Uncle Leo is great. I, I don't know that I could pick one. You know, I guess maybe I have to pick Susan, uh, George's erstwhile fiance. That's probably who I'd have to pick. Uh, and again, she added a lot to the series when she was there. But, uh, you know, it, it, there's got to be a worst player on every team, right? Maybe I'm the worst player on our team here at this radio station. But uh, it would probably be the character of Susan if I had to pick. All right. Uh, 833-969-4447. Henry is in Manhattan. Hello, Henry. Hi, good evening. Uh, I was wondering, have you found that uh, uh, people across the counter, whether it's a restaurant or or some other kind of store, uh, ever try and cheat you when you, uh, they give you back uh, change? No. I have a couple. No, I don't. Oh. I've, I've had that experience uh, a few times where I give them a, a 20 and they give me back change for a 10. And uh, just today I called them out on on it, you know, in a nice way, I hope, and they gave me back the other 10. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I have to yeah. be honest. I haven't noticed that, but I, I am someone that if they shortchanged me all the time – I would never know it because I, I rarely even check. I just put that money back in my pocket, wouldn't even notice. Um, I could be – I'm the worst with that kind of thing, so I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't know it. All right. Uh, There's a question here, no name, via email. Lisa, which conspiracy theory do you find most believable? Well, look, I, I think m- my answer is the that there have been extraterrestrial visits to Earth. Uh, I do believe that's very likely, and uh, I I think it's um, certainly very possible. I'll say that. So that's that's what I'm going to go with. Eight three three nine six nine four 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 seven. Sarah is in Wisconsin. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Frank. How are you? Right. Um, speaking of UFOs, and you spoke about them last night, and I and I started thinking about it now with this latest congressional hearing thing. The bottom line of this that's always bothered me is what do you think the ultimate reason is that they're not coming forward with the information? Do they actually think that we as Americans would go into total panic after what we've been through with our world wars, with losing a million Americans in COVID, with being on the precipice of nuclear war, with an odd Putin potentially, do they think that we're going to become, you know, like the 50s movies where you see these quick cuts to the crowd and they're all panicking and running down the streets and everything? Why, Why do they sell us so short? with providing the real information, if there is some. What do you think you're really You know, it's a good question. I've wondered that same thing myself, and um, I have no idea. And I've asked people that when they've been on the show. I have no idea. Um, I, I I think probably it is due to – I don't know, honestly. I, I, I've asked that question to people that claim to have inside information and others. I have no idea. Uh, that's that's the God's honest truth. None. All right. Mark is in Kentucky. Hello, Mark. 
Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm well. Thank you. Oh, good, good. Uh, what do you think gas will be in about a month? Where do I think gas will be in a month? You know, it's such a good question. I, yeah. I have no idea, and I'm the worst with predicting these things. When I was on the air with uh, John Katsimatidis two days ago, he's an oil guy. You know, he has gas businesses and oil businesses and energy businesses. And I said how gas had just broken an average price record. And uh, he said, well, I don't remember what it was. I think it was like 460 a gallon or something. And he said, oh, that's nothing compared to where it's going to be in a month. So, um, you know, I'm hesitant to make a prediction, but I'm going to say we're at $6 in a month. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. All right. We're going to take one more break here and then we'll continue with your questions. 833-969-4447. We will give a a prize out for the best question in this hour. We're doing an Ask Frank Anything here on the other side of midnight. Straight ahead. We are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. If you have one or another music we're playing, join our Facebook group. Just search Moreno Radio Fans and Haters. Uh, coming up, we have uh, Dr. Turi. A lot of people have been calling and asking about Dr. Turi. He made a lot of predictions on this show. We're going to review those predictions. I'm also going to get his take on the uh, UFO hearings that took place in Congress this week. And uh, we'll talk with a terrific musician uh, by the name of George G., He's got an upcoming performance at uh, Bond 45. We have denunciations coming up. And we have a great panel in the 4 o'clock hour. Attorney and lobbyist David Schwartz will be here, as will uh, satirist Marlena Schiavo. It will be very, very interesting. All right. In the meantime, we are, for the last few minutes, doing a... The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank... Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Uh, let us say hello to Philip in Brooklyn. Hi. Uh, last night you were talking about the Alien Shield tape. I was just wondering, did you check the instructions before using it? Because it tells you not to put it on a paint on a, a painted wall. Well, clearly not. Uh, well, at least my wife didn't. So I had no idea that what she was putting on there was uh, alien tape. She only told me about it after it had uh, torn the paint off of our wall. And again, I got her this about two and a half, three years ago. So no, uh, no, I had no idea. I did not check the instructions before doing that. Most of my role when it comes to household. Um, chores, although I am putting in an air conditioner today, is holding things. I'm very good at holding things most of the time. Occasionally, I can even go so far as to carry some things, but I'm not great with anything beyond that. All right. uh, Rob is in New Jersey. Hello, Rob. 
Yeah, I had two questions for you. First of all, what's this new to UAPs, UFOs? What's the difference? Um, well, UFOs are unidentified flying objects. UAPs are unexplained aerial phenomenon. So they're like the UFO is also UAP. Yes. The UAP doesn't have to be UFO. Well, I, I mean, it's just it's it's the two different terminologies for the same thing. Oh, and also, do you believe in the theory that UFOs start wildfires in California? Um, I, you know, I don't know that I've heard that one. I, I don't know that I'm up on that. I will certainly be happy to look into it, though. All right, let me squeeze in one or two more here before we run out of time. Tom is in the Bronx. Hello, Tom. Yeah, Frank, I'd like to say, did you ever see the invasion of the body snatch? Of course. I've seen both yeah. versions well, of it. that's enough to scare a lot of people if they if aliens ever did come to this earth that in other words to even talk to them it would cause a panic like and uh, war of the world you know well hey you know what you, the bottom line is because we it hasn't happened as far as we know we don't know what would happen right so uh, there's no way of knowing howard is in elmhurst hello howard yeah, I wanted to ask you, um, first of all, good evening. Um, I want to ask you, if Trump comes into power, do you think he can turn the... If Trump, uh, you broke up there. If Trump comes into power, what? I lost you there, Howard. Thank you. Uh, sorry about that. Um, I don't know the question, so I, I can't, uh, can't, answer, can't answer it. Shaggy is in New Jersey. Hello, Shaggy. Yeah, I, I wanted to know, do you ever taste kosher food, and do you like it? Well, yeah. I mean, it depends on what type of food we're talking about. Uh, gefilte fish, for instance, I love. Oh, yeah? Absolutely. With a carrot? With yeah, a well, carrot I like it with um, horseradish and a carrot. Yeah, yeah, that's great. you ever taste, like, kosher meat? You know, I'll be honest. I'm not a big meat eater, but I have tried kosher meat. I've tried some uh, brisket that I've liked. Very much over the years, but um, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I've, I've you know, I've definitely tried some different uh, kosher meats over the years. Thank you. All right, um, Matt, Blaze, and Philippe, do you have a pick for who you think was today's best question? Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Uh, All right. What was it? The uh, your least least favorite, favorite episode. Episode right. and least favorite character. Mike. That was Mike. Mike in uh, New Jersey, I believe. Uh, yeah. Call in and claim your prize. At uh, 833-969-4447. Coming up, tell me a moment where you've been struck by dumb luck. Until next hour, help control the pet population. Get your dog or cat spayed or neutered. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. Everyone, this is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Um, so again, I, I, I feel like I should be paying the the Axios people a portion 
of Philippe's salary because the Axios newsletter, I feel like three or four times a week, makes me inspired to do one talk topic or another. And thus was the case yesterday when they did a newsletter all about the power of pure luck. Jim Vandehei writes that almost every great thing in life starts with serendipity. Someone or something new entering your life by chance. Um, now, this should humble us. We often celebrate big names who invent companies or pull off remarkable feats. They caught a ton of breaks and benefited far more than they publicly admit very often from the unsung contributions of many others or just luck. Jim writes of his life-altering dumb luck moment. And I'm going to tell you his. I'm going to try and think of mine, although I think I just alluded to it last hour. And I'd love to hear yours. Have you ever had a life-altering dumb luck moment? A moment that changed your life purely by chance. Maybe you won the lotto. Maybe you ran into somebody on the street who gave you a job. Maybe you um, befriended somebody in a bar that put you in their will. Whatever. Whatever the case may be. A life-altering dumb luck moment. So this is what Jim Vandehei writes. Now, remember, he was the founder of Politico and Axios. So he's a journalist. He writes that his life-altering... Oh, and by the way, our number, if you want to weigh in is 833-969-4447. So call me with your dumb luck moment, life-altering dumb luck, preferably, 833-969-4447. Jim is a journalist, and he says, my life-altering dumb luck moment hit in 1993 when I pulled a full list of Wisconsin newspapers in hopes of finding an internship Anywhere, at any pay. Zane Zander, the publisher of the weekly newspaper, The Brilliant News, was one of my first calls on the alphabetical list. He asked me to pop up to Brilliant Stat for a quick chat. Even after I explained I was new to journalism, coming off my first writing class, he asked me to run his entire newspaper for the summer alone, with one week of training. I reiterated he would be hiring a middling student with scant experience. But he was in a jam. His editor needed the summer off, and Mr. Zander needed an immediate sub. He gave me an offer no cheesehead could refuse. $300 per week, a car, and his cottage on a pond loaded with bass with a fridge loaded with cold beer. There's little chance I would be writing this today absent the master class Mr. Zanmi put me through. So I feel like all of us have stories like this, and I think we should cherish them, and we should be aware of the ways to position ourselves for and take advantage of luck and happenstance. The more, the merrier. So it's not totally true that we make our own luck, but we we sure can help ourselves, right? You know, one of the things that I hate hearing is – uh, when it comes to breaking into difficult businesses like film or uh, or radio or politics or whatever, 
one of my least favorite expressions is, oh, well, you always got to know somebody. I mean, that's true when it's not true. It's true in that when you put yourself in a position to get to know people, you do end up making relationships with people that can help you down the line. But, you know, when I had aspirations of getting into radio, do you know who I knew? Nobody. I knew nobody, literally nobody, not a single person that worked in radio or television or anything else. Not that I'm the model to aspire to professionally, but the point is still the same. Here, I've been able to achieve professionally my dream of being on this radio station every day. And it was only because, as I said last hour, I was able to build a relationship with John Katzmatidis and work with him previously. And it just so happens he ends up buying a radio station. And really, that's my best example of dumb dumb luck. But the more you take chances, the more you talk to others and throw yourself into opportunities, the better your odds of catching an unexpected break. You know, and that's why I'm a big believer, and so is Shatner. Shatner's a big believer in saying yes to everything. And I'm a big believer of trying to be as accessible as you can to people, Right. Um, I just, uh, I was at this event last night. I'm going to tell you about it a little later. Great event, charity event. And you know who came? Donna from Huntington. Donna, one of my favorite people, one of my favorite listeners. She came and, um, she just, you know, sent me an SMS text message. And if you ever want to send me an SMS text message, you can 8168Morano. It's 8168Morano. She said, you know, it was a great event. I met so many nice people. And really, that is the key to everything. Because you go to things, you don't know who you're going to meet. It just leads to all these different things. So the more you take chances, talk to others, and throw yourself into opportunities, the better your odds of catching an unexpected break. Lots of luck gets missed because we're not watching or listening. If you recognize that you don't know it all, you're more likely to latch on to a game-changing gem. You know, John Katsimatidis, and he's told this story online. You can look it up on the YouTube. He's told the story about how a grocery store, and I'm going to butcher it. John, if you're listening, please call in. But um, he's told the story about how this grocery store how he w- that he was working at, the fellow that owned the store got into an argument with his partner. And I think I'm remembering the story correctly. And he gave John an opportunity to buy into the grocery store for a song, basically. Basically, for you know, a very discounted rate, because this guy was so eager to get out of his partnership with the fellow that he was partnered with, and but for, now John was was in college at the time, he was in NYU, and then but for that decision to buy into that grocery store, his whole life would have been different. I mean, that's certainly an example of luck. Again, but you make your own luck, um, and when something seems like fate, it just might be. So you seize the moment, you squeeze as much wisdom and joy from your fortuitous turns. You can't plan life, right? You know the old expression, everybody says it, we plan and and God laughs. Roll with the wild twists. And you know what I've always found? Luck begets more luck. If you surf one wave of luck, whether it's when it comes to gambling or family or relationships or work, it often seems like another comes crashing along to ride. And... um. Be grateful, right? Give thanks to those who help you along the way and look for every chance to give others their big break, right? Uh, all right. Tell me your dumb luck moment. Let me begin with Bobby from the Upper West Side. Hello, Bobby. 
Bobby. Am, am I with you? I think so, Bobby. Okay. Um, so this was during the disco era. And I, was, I was a bass player. I really needed the gig. I was broke. So I was up in Yonkers at a nightclub during, the, during a Sunday afternoon. There was like five different bass players. So I, I got this idea to make believe something was wrong with my bass and that I had to go back into and yeah, fix my bass. So all I did, though, was learn what they were trying to have the other bass players do, <laughs> like vocal part and bass line and what. And I got the gig, and it was like a gig that um, I was at Caesars Palace in Vegas wow. for, 10 weeks, for 10 weeks straight in um, the early 70s. And I was all over the years. Just because I made that band, I figured I connived a way to get myself in there. That's basically it. Hey, hey, I love it. Love it, Bobby. Thank you. 833-969-4447. If you have a life-altering dumb luck moment that you want to share. Uh, Matt Blaze, what do you have for us? you got to have something. Well, mine would be also piggybacking off what you said. I don't believe – I believe that you make your own luck. You mm-hmm. position yourself to be in that position for when it happens, it'll happen. So like when I started here, you know, I had experience in, in radio, but I didn't start at the top, and I knew that. And they said, why are you taking this? And I said, well, it's WABC. I know what, what it involves. And then what happened? I was here, and then the other guy left, and now I'm here with you. There you have it. Well, some would call that unlucky. <laughs> Definitely dumb, but maybe but unlucky. You know what I mean. Yeah, no, totally. I do. 833, and we're glad to have you, honestly. 833 969 4447. That is our phone number. 833 969 4447. Curious if you can identify one moment in your life that was a life altering moment shaped by chance or by luck. Andy from Old Forge, Pennsylvania. Hello. Hey, Dominic. How are you? I'm actually Frank, but uh, I'm doing fine. I'm sorry. Um, Well, not as sorry as I am that I'm not Dominic. Believe me. (laughs) My uh, I'm diabetic. And just about a year ago, I had my leg amputated. Oh, boy. I'm sorry. Yeah, I am too. I, I should have taken more care of myself with my eating habits 10 years ago before I was diagnosed as a diabetic. And uh, I'm still sitting in a wheelchair. I've had a lot of physical therapy, and I still can't walk independently by myself. Like you see the amputees on television and so on. But uh, I'm getting there slowly but surely. I've had a lot of physical therapy. And. Uh, that's my life-changing event, right? right? Well, so that sounds like it was more negatively life-changing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I have been so depressed up and down so many times all winter long, just locked in my uh, little office here at home and depending on my wife for so many. I'm 70 years old, and uh, I depend on my wife for everything. Well, I mean, it's great that she's there for you. I'm sorry for what you're going through, um, and I appreciate you sharing that, and I wish you the best of luck going going forward. 
Hopefully you'll have uh, as good luck going forward as you've had bad luck up until this point. Howard is in Elmhurst. Hello, Howard. Yes. Um, I My wife is in the nursing home. Her teeth got very bad. And uh, I said, why don't you speak to the dentist there? And she, she got a hold of him. And he, what did he say? Take him out. Take him out. And I said, I thought to myself, that's terrible. So I went to my dentist. But he was a, she's in a wheelchair. He's afraid. He was afraid to lift her. He could look at the teeth while she was in a wheelchair, but we needed somebody to do the implant work. And I was very, I didn't really have the, all the money I needed to do it because it's quite expensive. So I started praying and I started thinking, where can I get the money from? And then I thought that I had, I, I put this through, you know, I was part of the settlement process from the World Trade Center. And so I, I expected maybe I'll get $3,000, maximum 5000 maybe, if I'm lucky. And then I called up, and I got 81000 Wow. And that took care of my wife's implants. And I, I'll tell you, I, I was so relieved. And, you know, and thank God I could help her. You know, my wife is very important to me. Of course, yeah. No, Hey, uh, that that's great. Uh, that's wonderful, Howard. Thank you. Best of luck, uh to your wife as well. Uh, George is in New Jersey. Hello, George. Frank, good morning. Morning. Thanks for doing a great job, and I love the segment on the EXO uh, politics and all the uh, alien mysteries out there. Well, thanks. Very, Appreciate uh, it. Fascinating. Thank you. Uh, yeah, my dumb luck moment, I would have to say, uh, about 10 years ago, I was managing a mom-and-pop shop. And then they uh, kind of sold it behind my back, and uh, these uh, new owners came in, and they were really uh, shafting the employees and cutting corners and not doing the right thing by their guests and customers. So I struck out on my own and still going at it today. Well, and, and things are working out well for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't complain. You know, the... Uh, since I managed the, the the shop, you know, they all the guests and customers they they knew me, and you know, I was pretty much the business. So, well, you know, I, the, uh, these, these these guys, they were you know, greasy hair and pinky rings. They thought they uh, they knew everything, and everything took two minutes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do indeed. Thank thank you, George. Eight three three nine six nine four 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 seven. Is there a moment that you could point to in your life? where your life was changed because of luck. Now, I mostly, I know um, the one caller mentioned a stroke of bad luck. I was mostly talking about good luck. But whatever, however you want to handle the question, handle it. Uh, 833-969-4447. Let me say hello to Al in Manhattan. Hello, Al. Hello, Frank. How you doing? Great. So, Frank, here's my theory about luck. The harder I work, the luckier I get. So I don't believe in luck when it comes to what's going to happen in your future. I believe in luck if you put $10 down on uh, playing lotto, or in your case, your your thirst for Atlantic City. You like to go there and gamble, maybe you're lucky. But luck really has nothing to do, in my opinion, with... uh, Achieving something uh, career-wise, because, again, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Well, and as far as the person telling you 
about saying yes to everything. I taught my kids when they were young, say no. And then all of a sudden, after all the years of me telling them say no, they didn't pay attention. But then Warren Buffett gets on the radio and says, if you want to be successful in life, you got to say no 80% of the time. And guess what? To my kids, I became a rocket scientist. (laughs) It must be true if Warren Buffett said it. But if your dad said it, no. Well, isn't that so often the case, right? Uh, Our parents don't have the wisdom that seems like some strangers do. Uh, Al, thank you. Look, I'm not disputing that hard work begets more luck. Uh, You know, I'd like to think I work very hard and always have. Um, But sometimes things just happen, maybe because of your hard work, that are random, that there's no explanation for, that um, you, you can't plan for. And those are the moments that I'm curious about in your life. Uh, 833-969-4447. That's 833-969-4447. Frank is in Queens. Hello, Frank. Hey, Frank. I um, narrowly cheated death in 2009 when I was 36 years old. I somehow avoided a heart attack. And the backstory basically is in my early 20s, um, you know, I was, I was a collegiate athlete. I was always in pretty good shape. I started to develop heartburn in my 20s. So I had a GI doctor most of my life. And basically with, you know, the purple pill or Prevacid, I was always able to manage my heartburn um, with my GI doctor. And sometime in early '09, again, at 36, I started to develop what I thought were chest pains, possibly from lifting weights or maybe my heartburn was getting really bad. And over time, it it was getting worse and worse. And then finally one day, I went out for a jog, and I came home, and I had the the craziest burn in my chest I ever felt in my life. So my first go-to call was to my uh, GI doctor to make an appointment. And by sheer dumb luck, he happened to be in Spain on vacation. So my next call was to my brother to see if he knew a cardiologist, which he did because he works in the health field. I was able to get out to his uh, office for an emergency visit. I failed the stress test. They quickly took blood. It turned out my cholesterol was through the roof. They brought me in for for an angioplast that evening. One of my arteries was 99% blocked, about to have a heart attack. They were able to get in there and save my life. And had my doctor not been in Spain, I'd be dead today. Wow. That is that is lucky. That's uh, that's wild. Frank, thank you for sharing that. I'm glad you're still here. I, I don't want any of our listeners dying. I can't afford to lose any listeners. Believe me. Thank you. Uh, 833-969-4447. Dr. Turi coming up in about 10 minutes. We'll talk predictions and the UFO hearings or UAP hearings that took place in Congress this week. Mary Beth is on Long Island. Hello, Mary Beth. Hi, Frank. Um I actually um, attended an event at a Huntington bookstore several years ago, and um, it was really interesting. It was an author talking about her new book, and it was a wonderful event, but I was probably one of eight people in the audience, and I really felt badly for the author and the store owners. So the next day, I called um, the store owners to tell them how much I enjoyed the event, 
And I said to them, you know, I wish you had a publicist because you need someone to promote your events and get your books on the map. And he asked me to come in and I knew nothing about publicity, nothing. And he asked me to write a press release. He said, because we have a publicist and the person is doing a poor job. You write a good press release, I'll hire you. So I went to the library. I took some, you know, looked at some books, how to write a press release. And I guess I wrote a good release because I got the job. And it was the first of many jobs in the industry. Well, that's great. That's exactly the kind of thing that I'm I'm talking about. That's wonderful. That's a great story. I'm glad that worked out, uh, Mary Beth. Thank you for sharing that. Let me squeeze in at least one more here before we get to Dr. Turi. 833-969-4447. A moment of dumb luck that was life-altering for you. Cece is in Brooklyn. Hello, Cece. Hey, Frank, thanks a lot. Uh, uh, this is a moment of luck, you know, good or bad. I was in the process of going to do something that was going to really put me above water, take care of all my, my financial woes and stuff. And as I was going forward to do this, I happened to meet somebody. Um, a guy stopped me in the street, you know, and he was trying to just stop people in general. You know, nobody really wanted to pay him any money. So he said to me, he said, listen, listen, just give me a minute. Let me let me show you something. I want to show you something uh, that's really fantastic. And I was in a hurry because what I was about to do was like I was I was struggling hard for a long time, and I was finally about to come above water. So I said, okay, I'll take a minute. Let me see what's got. He says, take a look at my bag. Tell me what you think it is. I look at what he's got in his bag, and I tell you, my eyes lit open, and I backed up. You know, and he says, I'm looking at the expression on you. He says, what do you think of that? I says, look at me. I'm, I'm kind of stunned, you know. Um, he's looking at his bag, and he says, you know what? I'm trying to get somebody to invest with me, work with me on this here. Nobody will listen to me. I look at his bag again. I says, nobody will look at you. Nobody will help you with that. I said, that's fantastic. I never saw that before. He said, this is great, you know. So I keep going with him again. And he's talking. He says, I need somebody to help me with this. Hey, Frank, I look at this guy's bag. He had something that would have been, I, I think it was a skyrocket move for him. Why wasn't anybody going to take up with him on this, you know? So, well, so what did he have in his I, bag? Um, Oddly enough, now this is back in 1983. What he had in his bag, uh, it still takes me. In 83, I don't know what year this finally took off, but in 83, he had the inline skate in his bag. Mm. You know that, right? Yeah, uh, like rollerblades. Right, right. He had that in his bag. And I'm like, nobody will help you with this. Nobody will invest with you in this. And like I said, Frank, I was in the process of going ahead and doing something that's going to put me on, on tracks clear things for me. So I had a choice. Go forward, take care of what you got to take care of, or go with this guy and do something that's going to be far greater than what I was in the process of doing. But but what worried me was that, hey, this is a sideline. This is going to pull me off track. Um, I, I, I got to make a choice here. I either go with this or I stick with what I know is, is definite. The reason I didn't go with him, would you think, it's like, I don't know how long that's going to take. And sure enough, the inline skate, do you know how long, what year the inline skate came on track where everybody was booming with it? I, I feel like it was 91. Look at that, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what it was going to take for me and this guy to work and build that thing up. But um, I'm like, I know what I'm doing right now. It'll take me out of a, a life of, of misery that I was going through. So you passed. I said, 
I, I had to pass. Yeah. And like you said, look, eight years later, it would have took me eight years to, to even hear about the inline skate. Mm. And what I was about to do was like a minutes away from selling. So it was a hard decision. But I said, wow, eight years, I could be in double the hole that I'm in right now if I don't do what I'm about to do. This was something that was going to pull me off the track, you know, for eight years. But take a minute and settle all your woes or wait eight years on that. I didn't know how long it was going to take. And he had the inline skate in his bag. Um, it, it just took me. I was like, it was hard to walk away from, but it was like this was just something to sidetrack me. I felt like this is going to sidetrack me and sink me, even though I could see. I'm, it's like I'm looking at the future, you know? And that was the inline skate, mm. man. CC, I'm glad things have worked out well for you. Thanks for calling. Appreciate you sharing that. We are going to talk predictions and aliens in a few minutes with Dr. Turi. Uh, he was a fan favorite last time he was on. We'll see what he has to say this time around. We'll review his previous predictions, see what predictions he has for us, and we'll get his take on the UAP hearings that took place in D.C. this week. This is The Other Side of Midnight, straight ahead. But I won my ticket on Titanic here at a lucky-handed poker. A very lucky hand. <laughs> All life is a game of luck. Hmm. A real man makes his own luck, This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. Side of Midnight presents The Midnight Files. Midnight in the desert Shooting stars across the sky This magical journey Will take us on a ride Filled with the longing Searching for the truth Will we make it till tomorrow Will the sun shine on you Midnight in the desert And we're listening Ooh, we're listening to you This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Very, very pleased to be joined once again by Dr. Turi. He is a fifth-kind UFO contactee, a clinical hypnotherapist, and a motivational speaker and author, a man who some have compared to a modern-day Nostradamus because of the accuracy of his predictions. Dr. Turi, thank you again for joining me on the radio. Oh, you bet. Thanks very much for having me again, Frank. So, uh, Dr. Turi, l- let me first get your take on what we saw in Washington this week with respect to these UAP hearings. Uh, you had uh, Pentagon officials speaking to members of Congress about uh, about this. Most people didn't think much came out of this one way or another. Uh, did you have an opportunity to watch the hearings, and what was your take? Well, basically, I don't watch the news. I just uh, watch the news when uh, my predictions are taking place, that's the only reason why I watch the news to double check. But I'm not very much into checking anything. I just check the stars. This is how I get to know the news before the news, put it this way. Fair enough. If that makes sense. If yeah, no, makes no, sense no, I, to I, you. I get it. Now, um, before we get your predictions on what's happening 
going forward. Um, I did want to go back and review a couple of the uh, predictions that you made the last time that you were here. And different callers, different listeners have called in. Some have written to me, uh, some saying that your predictions were very accurate, others saying that they were not so accurate. What you had said last time you were here was that April 24th, there was going to be some news involving a cyber attack, uh, definitely cosmic news, anything from a solar ray or airplane crash. Uh, you'd said on May 1st there was going to be dramatic news related to Russia. And then on May 15th, a serious dance of evil involving Russia, life and death, crazy people, cops being shot or police killing innocent people. Um, you know what? You may not have all those dates committed to memory, but how do you think those predictions have turned out? Well, uh, as you know, I uh, you should be on my mailing list. I believe you are. And uh, I keep records of the dates that I gave you, and I give you the results of the predictions as I perceived it. When I give the date of May the 15th, I knew that's uh, where the reptilians are in charge. This is the red carpet of the reptilians. And the timing was dead on. I gave the 15 and uh, I, I foresaw the uh, dance of people and a lot of death and uh, it happened. It's impossible to deny. It's right there. And as far as uh, uh, extraterrestrials are concerned, um, they do not uh, want to contact the president, the Navy, the Army. They are not interested in those who are in power. They are more interested in normal people uh, and uh, certain people who have something they don't have, which happens to be uh, a spiritual gift. The extraterrestrials are dignified robots. In many ways, they are able to duplicate themselves in time and space uh, in, in, in a way that they have lost their connection with the divine. They have lost their connection with God. They have lost the spirit. So they are not interested with people that are, are highly educated. They are not interested with the normal human being, put it this way. And, and that's why I was contacted so many times and they left me the legacy of predictions. And again, I'm going to give you more dates, uh, three dates, like I gave you last time. Uh, it's pretty much the same type of energy that I foresee into the future. And uh, by the way, if people want to be on your mailing list, how can they sign up for your mailing list? Oh, well, they just go to drturi.com, and then from there they can connect uh, with uh, Terania, which is my wife, and then she'll give them the prediction. And by the way, I want to reward your audience. Uh, uh, my uh, my services are pretty expensive, and that's one of the reasons why I, I would give a $100 discount to your listeners, oh. providing, of course, they mention your name, they mention your mm. radio show. Well, that's very nice. All they have to do... Oh, yeah, thank you. All they have to do, it's my way of saying thank you to you. Thank course, you. Frank. Absolutely. All they have to do is go to drturi.com and then they, are, they have the email of uh, Terania, my wife, Terania Promodier uh, at gmail.com. And uh, from there, they get the discount and they get the information to join my mailing list and, and, and all the good stuff that I produce. All right. So it's drturi.com, T U R I. Dot com. Um, all right. So why don't we hear what dates you have in the future for us and what predictions might be in the offing? 
All right, I'm going to give you key words again because that's the only way the ETs allow me to pass on the future to you. The first date will be the 21st. And remember, the 21st is the central uh, date. Of May or June? Oh, that will be this month. Uh, May 21st. The 21st, the next, the next two or three days. Okay. No, 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 the next two or three days. We're the 19th today. So I give you the 21st. That's the nearest date that I can give you. The key word is uh, shocking news. Anything to do with, uh, um, a distribution of uh, large energy that we're talking about explosion. We're talking about earthquakes, we're talking about natural disaster. Like, like I told you the other day, that could also produce an airplane crash, a cyber attack. So anything to do with the universe, UFOs, anything. This is the energy that the extraterrestrials use to enter our dense physical world. So that's where the news about technology, UFO, the universe, NASA, God knows what, uh, will, will take place. So the key word is surprise, sudden release of energy. And that is for the 21st. Now, next month, June, uh, June the 2nd, uh, is the beginning or the end of important phases of life for thousands of people, which will be forced to relocate. Again, that can be a, a natural disaster. It could be some important development in relationship to the war. It's, it's like the key word is the beginning or ending of important phases of life. Mm. Now, it doesn't have to be at a universal level. It could also touch you. So be very careful during those days. Something will start or something will finish. And that's, so that's June the 2nd. Word. Right. Okay. Uh, in the last date, I'm going to give you June the 10th. And that is the same nasty, terrible energy. The red carpet of the reptilians where crazy people kill people. So I'm expecting again, um, anything to do with uh, mass shooting. Uh, the police will be directly involved. When I said uh, last time to be ready for May the 15th, I said the police be ready for police news. And next thing you know, um, the police has to respond to this dramatic, dramatic, and mm. my heart goes to all the people that we lost on that nasty day because of the reptilians who hijack the body, the mind, and the soul of crazy people, and they are everywhere. So that is the most important date so far, June the 10th. So be prepared. Uh, don't take chance on those days. Try to avoid large gathering. Uh, I know it's very difficult not to do so nowadays. But this is where um, everything you do, everything you say on that day, wherever you go, uh, you, you may have to pay a serious heavy price. And anything you say or do will follow you for the rest of your life. I see very important people in high position letting their emotions getting out of order mm. and losing their jobs. The type of the same type of energy took place uh, many many years ago when Rush Limbo was on the radio and he uh, he swore at the lady he called the lady I think a slut or something like right, that right Sandra Flock French. I remember that yes. yeah yeah and it it was this the same type of energy during those days the reptilians hijack your emotion to the roof and then people get really really emotional and 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 they tend to talk too much. 
And again, in the eternal battle between emotion and logic, emotion always wins and you always lose. So be cautious, please, on June the 10th, especially if you're a cop, if you work at night, uh, if you, so I see secret, famous, famous people uh, will die. Um, it's, it's kind of a very, very difficult, uh, very dramatic energy, mm. June the 10th. And again, I'll be there with my newsletter to refresh uh, uh, your memory and uh, all your listeners, all my followers, because by the thousand nowadays. Well, that's wonderful. And we're talking with Dr. Turi. You can learn more about him at drturi.com. Dr. Turi, for people that didn't hear our previous conversation, the term that you've used a couple of times as something that's, uh, that plays a role on influencing world events negatively, the word you keep re- referring to is reptilis. Um, to explain to folks what, what that is exactly and how, um, how these entities could influence people's behavior on this planet. Well, you know, you cannot have a, a man without a woman, a front without a back, a God without a devil. And we all have a reptilian mind. Uh, the negative reptilians are a group of extraterrestrials that are dedicated to uh, harass, to destroy, to uh, to breed uh, energy into the human into human mind, so to speak. They can only survive in dark matter with our negativity. They feed like vampire on your thoughts. So if you use drugs, alcohol, um, that's their tools, that's their goodies, uh, they, they are, you become easily under the reptilious effect, as I call it. You also have the draconis from the constellation of Draco. Those are much, much more progressive, very positive type of ETs that would stimulate uh, your mind to create beautiful music, to do good things for others, to help humanity. Again, there is a battle in the heavens that the rational, practical, logical mind is unable or unwilling to accept, especially uh, when indoctrinations and religious fears are concerned. So it's critical to realize that I point out the negative aspect as to warn you and protect you. But any time you are dying, hypothetically speaking, through a situation, a job, uh, relationships, you're actually being born again. So basically never forget that the future being the reincarnation of the thoughts depend on your ability to understand the rep- Tedious effect to understand the good and the bad and make a choice. Oh, and you can apply your will, which is the part of God in you, which is much stronger than the ETs and the stars for that matter. So the idea is to uh, realize you have a choice. There's absolutely nothing that you can do either positively or negatively, depending how, how much you are influenced by the ETs, the good and the bad ones. Mm. Uh, it's uh, fascinating. Now, let me ask you a little bit about your work as a uh, hypnotherapist. What do you do um, when it comes to hypnotherapy in terms of helping people getting uh, reach their full potential or be aware of some of these negative forces that are out there trying to influence them? How does how does hypnotherapy work when it's done by Dr. Turi? 
Well, basically, let's say you're a cop and uh, you are called in a very gutsy, bloody scenery. That's going to stick. That's going to stick. And then you are now on a negative path. And my work is uh, either using astrology or hypnotherapies to cleanse your your body, your mind, and your soul my way by giving you very specific uh, direction and teach you the power of the cosmic code. When I deal with somebody on Zoom, for example, uh, everything is being recorded and uh, I have much more answers than the person has questions. That's why the, the client is not allowed to talk. The client can only talk at the end of our meeting, and there is no time limit on any of my services. So basically, what I do is to give you an option to clean yourself if you're depressed, uh, point out the gift that God gave you, put you on your head of the dragon, which is which is an upside-down final of success. You were created in the image of God, but God has a very specific plan for you. Like in your case, born a Gemini with the head of the dragon in Gemini, you were born to be a messenger of the gods. You were born to talk, to communicate, to exchange and discuss various ideas from both left and right, so to speak. So every one of us has been, uh, let's say, let's use the words, computerized by a higher force, but 99.9 of humans on planet Earth are not cosmic conscious. They do not know their strengths, their weaknesses, their sins and virtues, and they are robots that can easily, easily be manipulated by the reptilians. So once you deal with me, it's like you're protecting yourself. You know exactly where to go. Not to mention that I teach you very specific rules, cosmic rules that apply personally, very personally to you. Wow. Uh, That is... Absolutely uh, wild. What is the biggest misconception out there when it comes to any of the fields that we've spoken about, whether it's astrology, whether it's hypnotherapy, or whether it's uh, extraterrestrials and UFOs or UAPs? It's the rationale. Not human is born the same. You're connected to your mom, your dad, your brothers and sisters, genetically 150%. You may even look like them. However, in the realm of the spirit, uh, they are going to be your biggest strangers and you will never talk, behave, create, or share the same fate as any of your family member because you've been computerized by God in a very different way. And the lack of information uh, due to indoctrination fears or a chart which is uh, over-rational and very earthy, stop the spirit's progressions in time and space. Then my job is to open those doors, is to make you aware of your potential, and most of all, reach your goals. And you could do it. There is absolutely no limit on the power we were born with. We are much more than bone, flesh, and nerves, and, 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 and blood. We are human beings, and we have an extraordinarily uh, very powerful gift that's buried inside your subconscious and the idea is to be able to connect not only through your subconscious but also through the superconscious in time and space and again on my website you do have three of my movies that are dedicated to the ETs to astrology and the power of the superconscious not to forget of course all the books that I wrote 
Um, very interesting. Thank you very much, Dr. Turi. It is always a treat to talk with you. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on the uh, the dates that you gave us, May 21st, June 2nd, and June 10th. Uh, wishing everybody the best. And, uh, again, we'll encourage folks that want to get on your mail mailing list to go to uh, drturi.com. Thank you very much, as always. You bet. Thanks very much for having me again, Frank. Good night. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Terry. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, give me a call, 833-969-4447. That's 833-969-4447. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. Put your love in How great is this song? Have you ever heard this song? It's Beggin' by Maniskin. Uh, this is outstanding. Uh, have you ever heard this song, Matt Blaze? Yeah, I got it. You, oh, you picked this? This wasn't one of mine? No, yeah, no, no. I okay. picked it, yeah. Yeah, now that is a good one. Uh, I must say, good, good, good selection. Um, all right. 833-969-4447. 833-969-4447. Coming up, uh, speaking of music, we're going to talk with a big band, renowned big swing band leader and orchestral leader, George G. He's coming up at 3.30. And then at 4 o'clock, David Schwartz and Marlena Schiavo are going to be here. Uh, so yesterday, I know a lot of you have been curious about this. Got some uh, some information on uh, our cat Melchizedek to catch you up real quick. There, uh, we, you know, our cat has been um, was diagnosed as diabetic about five years ago, and so we've been giving insul- insulin to him twice a day. A couple of weeks ago, he looks as if he has a head injury. He's stammering. He's trying to get into places. You know how cats do when they're sick; they go into places they normally don't go. My wife's concerned. She thought he had a head injury. He looked almost drunk. He was walking around drunk. She takes him to the vet. And um, they didn't, emergency vet, I'll spare any discussion of the costs of this one because the, all these vet visits have been super expensive. But that's beside the point. So the veterinarian tells him, you know, uh, tells my wife actually, that his blood sugar levels seem pretty normal. And he might not be diabetic anymore. So what's possible, what happened is that, by you giving him the uh, insulin twice a day, it has brought his blood sugar levels artificially low, and he may have even had a seizure. They uh, they said, all right, monitor him, give him this medication, come back uh, in a week. They, she she I, I don't even remember if they said to come back. Whatever. She brings him back in a week when he was um, doing other things weird. He was experiencing diabetes, uh, you know, uh, diarrhea, and some other things take him back. They do some... Um, some uh, what you call a not a sonogram? Maybe it is a sonogram. I, I don't remember. What do you call those things? Um, 
pregnant pregnant women get them. It's when you see. I, I mentioned the term yesterday. What is it? It's it not, is isn't it a sonogram? No, it's something else. It's something else. It's um, well, whatever. They they do this thing and they um they m- look at his insides and they find that there's some thickening and it could be lymphoma. It could be uh, irritable bowel syndrome, could be any number of things. And then she goes to this other veterinarian who's a specialist. And I, they, they do a whole bunch of other tests, a battery of tests, take his blood and do some other. It's not a sonogram, but it's the word that I'm looking for that's like a sonogram. Um, and they examine him. They say he looks pretty good. They don't think the thickening of his intestines... Ultrasound. Ultrasound. That's exactly what it was. Ultrasound. Thank you. Thank you very much. Did you remember that on your own or somebody had to tell you? No, I looked it up. You looked it up. Is that the same as a sonogram? No, I, I actually wrote what is called... What is it also like a sonogram? And it's and it's and it came out and said, See, it's interesting <laughs> that my brain is on the same page as, as what people are Googling. So anyway... Um, she took him to the vet, and she was very impressed with this veterinarian in New Jersey, this specialist. It was a female, I believe, Dr. DeMarco. I didn't meet her, but my wife was very impressed, much more so than the vets that um, that she had taken him to in our neighborhood. And we were waiting, and he was seems to be doing better. And this same vet, th- this vet, Dr. DeMarco, also said the same thing, that he could have basically outgrown his diabetes with better diet and this insulin, and he may not need the insulin anymore. So we haven't been giving him the insulin. They took his blood. They did more ultrasounds. They Yesterday, the blood work comes back, and blood work is all normal. We're still waiting for um, some stuff related to, I think it's his pancreas, but so far, everything looks great. So it looks like, one, he's not diabetic anymore. His blood sugar was normal. No indication of cancer or anything like that. And we're hoping maybe his bowel movements will normalize a little bit as soon as the you know it's, he's a little farther away from these antibiotics. My wife's theory was that maybe it was the antibiotics that that first vet gave him that was leading to his uh, diarrhea. So we'll see. But uh, she was very happy today. Nothing urgently wrong at the moment. Knock on wood. Again, we're still waiting for other information on the pancreas, but that was um, certainly good news. Beats beats getting bad news. That's for sure. All right. uh, 833-969-4447. We got uh, denunciations coming up in a few minutes, and then uh, we'll talk with George G. Let me begin with Mark in Newark. Hello, Mark. Mark, I got you. Uh, y- yes, thank you. Last time this guy said uh, there was uh, there will be fight and police dying, and uh, he predicted uh, something big happening in the Kremlin. Nothing was right. Yeah, so you don't um you don't um you don't buy his predictions then, I guess. And you know he lied. I knew what? That he was he what he said was not true. Well, look, you did not ask him. Well, look, I asked him about I I brought up the predictions. I asked him if they thought they were true. He said uh sign up for the mailing list and he'll say why they're true, but I can't stop uh I can't. Uh, I can't have anybody believe him that doesn't. So sign up for the mailing list and and draw your own conclusions. Different people have been writing to me with different theories about uh, why what he said might have been true and may not have been. So you judge for yourself, right? Uh, Joe is in Ron Konkama. Hello, Joe. Hey, Frank. Uh, that's a great show. Um, 
You know, I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time hearing you. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Joe. I'm having a tough time. Try and call back if you can. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, all right. Uh, 833-969-4447. You want to email me. Uh, you can do so at uh, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. That's frank.morano at wabcradio.com. One listener just emailed me asking about my brother's hiccups. Um, he, how is he? I don't know. I haven't gotten any any indication about uh, if his hiccup condition has improved. So I'm going to see him on, on uh, Saturday, tomorrow. Today's Friday, right? Yeah, I'll see him tomorrow morning. So I will find out if he's still hiccuping, and I will let you know in uh, short order. But uh, so far, things things seem uh, pretty good. All right. Um, On Twitter, at Frank Morano, if you want to tweet us, and uh, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash M-O-R-A-N-O fan. Uh, That's uh, Facebook.com slash M-O-R-A-N-O fan. Um, Until next hour, keep asking questions. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Well, in what is a Friday weekly tradition, we are here to tell you who I think needs to be denounced. That's right. Without further ado, it is time for... The Other Side of Midnight presents Denunciations. Let me begin with the state of North Dakota. Very surprising. In the state of North Dakota, they have found that... That is the rudest state in the country. This is an article at the website moneywise.com. Now, I have to be honest. I am not sure how reliable this particular ranking is. They rank the 25 rudest states in the country, and they found that um, North Dakota was number one. But in reading this article... It seems like a lot of the information is anecdotal. It's based on complaints. Uh, So I'm skeptical of this list. But until I find competing data, in the absence of competing data, I am going to have to give North Dakota a denunciation. Kills me to do it. My wife has a friend that moved to North Dakota. Or was it South Dakota? I think it was North Dakota. But I hate to denounce her whole state, but... Don't be so rude. I must also denounce the person or persons uh, that killed 11-year-old Kiara Tay. Uh, this is just so sad, this story. 11-year-old girl 
fatally shot Monday afternoon when uh, the passenger on a motorized scooter fired at a man running down a sidewalk in the Bronx. More gun violence in New York. It is just horrible. And the story that came out yesterday is they're saying that the person that shot her might have only been 14 years old. Can you imagine that? 14 years old, you're running around with a gun shooting people? Uh, It's a sad, sad story. But in the case of Kiara, it is a tragic story. So uh, to the person that shot her, uh, I do denounce you. I must also denounce Eric Kroll. Eric Kroll was the vice president of the Illinois-based Kids Matter Human Services Organization. Kids Matter Human Services it's a nonprofit group, 49 years old, Eric Kroll, and he has been arrested and charged with multiple counts of, you guessed it, you knew it before I even said it, didn't you? That's right. Child pornography. It is terrible whenever anybody engages in child pornography, but it's so much worse when it's somebody whose job it is to look after children, as Eric Kroll's case was when he was um, in charge of, or the vice president, of this nonprofit group, Kids Matter. Very, very sad. You know, it makes you think, it's a lot like these these clergymen that were roped in to a lot of these scandals. And you hate to think this, but there's an excellent chance that this guy got involved with a charity for kids so that he could have access to children as a predator, which is really frightening. Uh, I must also denounce the MTA, as to paraphrase that great philosopher Lionel, I must denounce the MTA not for what they do, but for what they appear to do. The MTA, which I know my friend uh, and colleague Curtis Lewa refers to as the... Uh, Money, um, money, take money, taking authority or something like that. Money taking agency. All right. Well, some other people call it money thrown away. New York City strap hangers, of which I'm one, are furious. After what they have unveiled in Times Square this week on Wednesday, they unveiled a 30 million dollar staircase. At 42nd Street at the Times Square station, a $30 million staircase, a new $10 million elevator, a street-level canopy, a new turnstile area. Now, I mean, I don't want to denounce them for improving the state of subway stations because if they didn't improve the subway stations, I'd be denouncing them for that. So this is great. But the entire project for the entrance was dubbed $8 million under budget and on time, according to the MTA president of construction development. And I'm watching as these MTA people are patting themselves on the back for putting this nice subway station out there. And I have to tell you, transit crime has spiked 63.5%, with 325 more incidents compared to the same time last year. Since the start of the year, the subway here in New York has seen homeless seek shelter in its cars. 
a shooting at one of the Brooklyn subway stops and several people being fatally pushed off platforms by beggars. So, look, I'm glad they did this. I'm glad the Times uh, Square subway station is good. And, look, if I were working for the MTA, I'd probably look for victories wherever you could find them. It's just when an agency like this that uh, that's in charge of running the subways, which have become totally dysfunctional, is sitting there patting themselves on the back, it has the impression of being tone deaf. It also, it's just not a great look. It, it really does almost seem like Nero is fiddling while Rome is burning. It's, you know, I remember a friend of mine told me how um, her husband was working for a company and he, everyone knew that he bought this big, nice $3.5 million apartment in Manhattan. And then a couple of weeks later, right before Christmas, he laid off a whole bunch of people at the company. Now, of course, he's got every right to do that to his company, his money. It just wasn't a great look. You buy this fancy apartment and then you lay everybody off right before Christmas. That, to me, is almost what the MTA did here. A $30 million staircase, a $10 million subway, bragging about it being $8 million under budget and on time. All the while, uh, you have and this 4,600-square-foot street mosaic by a Chicago artist, the largest in the, in the New York City subway system. All the while, it, it, a lot of people are afraid to take the subway because they think anarchy prevails. So that's, uh, that's another denunciation with an asterisk much like the denunciation of North Dakota. I must also denounce Victoria Toon. I am amazed at how often I have to read this story. Victoria Toon is 21 years old, and she was a guard at a juvenile detention facility. 21-year-old security guard. Um... She has helped three inmates, two 17-year-olds and one 15-year-old, escape. And now the four of them are nowhere to be found. Nobody could find the four of them. I can't understand. When you're a security guard in a jail or a prison or a, or a juvenile detection, de, detention facility, you have one really important job. Make sure the inmates don't escape. Not help them escape. And yet, how often does this happen? It seems like it happens far too often. So if you're a correction officer or a security guard at a juvenile detention center or anything like that, I sincerely hope that you will not allow the people, the inmates in your care to escape. Because it's not going to be good for them. It's not going to be good for you. So Victoria, again, this is a 21-year-old woman. Her whole life ahead of her. Why is she throwing it all the way, all away for these three juvenile delinquents? These must be three charming juvenile delinquents. I'll tell you that. I'll bet you we have no information about this, but I'll bet you dollars to donuts that she had a relationship with one or more than one of these inmates. I want to denounce third children and fourth and fifth. This is. I was going to do this as a talk topic this week, but we we ran out of time. We had too much good stuff. 
researchers from Columbia University and the Université Paris Dauphine have issued a report showing that having more than two children may have a negative impact on late life cognition. Do you hear this? If you have three, four, five, six children instead of just one or two, you're more likely to suffer from dementia. So the study shows that older parents with just two children appeared sharper cognitively than those with three. Um, The connection between kids and cognition was particularly strong among parents in northern Europe. This is noteworthy because in those countries, having a lot of children usually decreases financial resources without necessarily improving social resources. So essentially what they think is, is that it's because of stress, that um, you're more likely to deal with financial problems if you have more than two children, and those financial problems essentially age your brain. I'll tell you, you know who this is the worst news for? My mother-in-law, who had who has nine children, she, if I were her, I'd I'd check into a, a you know, a dementia clinic right away. She's got no shot. Uh, I want to. They do say on the plus side that you're less likely to be alone, and less likely to be lonely later in life. So, pick your medicine, right? Do you want to be lonely and have all your wits about you, or do you want to have dementia? And not be lonely. You, you pick. Uh, I want to denounce Vogue magazine. Again, this falls into my category of not a great look. Vogue magazine is threatening to sue a pub in the hamlet of Vogue in Cornwall. The star in at Vogue has been a a pub for more than 200 years. 200 years! But it seems that Vogue's publisher, the Vogue, the magazine's publisher, Condé Nast, has only just got wind of it and has now sent a letter in which it claims that members of the public may make an incorrect connection between the decades-old bar and the fashion magazine. What a joke. What a joke. The, the people that own the bar thought that it was a joke when they got the letter, but now they've discovered that it's a real deal. So they've sent, the magazine has sent the bar a cease and desist letter, and the letter adds, please reply within seven days or we will take remedial action. Now, these people can't be serious. In this day and age, someone couldn't be bothered to go on to Google and see that this bar is in a place that's called Vogue, that's been here for 200 years. Common sense. So I am canceling my subscription to Vogue forthwith. And Vogue, the magazine, not the Hamlet, I do denounce you. And finally, I must denounce Sin City, Las Vegas. Hate to do it. I've been to Las Vegas several times. I've had some good times there over the years. And it's an interesting town, interesting story. However, Las Vegas is the city in this country where baby formula is the toughest to come by. That's right. Bloomberg reporting that Las Vegas ranks number one out of the top ten metro areas in the country with the worst shortages of baby formula. So 
lesson is there. If you have a child, don't bring them to Las Vegas. Simple as that. All right. Uh, that about slams the lid on denunciations for today. We're going to talk music with George G. Uh, we may have some time um, to take some of your calls as well. So if you want to call in, you can with your thoughts on everyone I denounced. 833-969-4447. Note, we do have a new number today. That's uh, 833-969-4447. So there you have it. All right. This is The Other Side of Minute. Midnight, we'll talk music with George G. Straight ahead. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. stylings of renowned big band leader and swing orchestra leader George G., who heads the George G. Swing Orchestra, also known as the Make Believe Ballroom Orchestra, and he has for over four decades been an influential presence when it comes to big band music, and it turns out you will soon be able to see him and hear him. At Bond 45 in Times Square, where he is headlining every Monday night from 8 to 11 p.m. And uh, I can't think of a better person to talk to and to highlight, especially on Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. I'm very, very pleased to welcome to the other side of midnight, the one and only George G. George, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, Good morning, Frank. Thank you so much for having me here. as a as a big band leader and jazz musician, I have to be honest. I'm, I'm not used to being up <laughs> at this time of the night. Believe so me, uh, uh, believe me. I, I've been doing this for a while, and I'm not yet used to being up at this time of the night. So I can uh, <laughs> I can absolutely uh, I can absolutely get it. Now I know you're um, you're from New York originally, and um, yes. you've had sort of an interesting life and an interesting career. How does one, you know, become a big band leader? There's a lot of people that want to become musicians, but big band leader is sort of a, a niche role for a lot of musicians. How did you come to uh, want to do that? Well, I mean, I, I've always been a lover of the big band art form, and I first got into the big band business when I was young in college. Um Actually, I had a chance encounter with a great Count Basie, and I interviewed him for my college radio station. And um, Count Basie was very supportive and in, in, um, in my uh, pursuit of starting the big band. And when you have the uh, inspiration of one of the legendary band leaders of all time, 
it really gave me a lot of uh, motivation to get the big band together and, and, uh, and put, put the uh, big band sound into the forefront. Well, that's terrific. And uh, Bond 45 is a, a terrific spot. I'm going to ask you a little bit about what makes it sure. uh, what makes it so unique. Where did you grow up here in New York? Uh, well, I'm a native New Yorker. I, I grew up in Yorkville on the Upper East Side um, and before I migrated to uh, college. I went to college in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, another great jazz town, by the way. And uh, I've been back in New York, uh, my hometown, for the last um, three decades or so. Yeah, huh. time is going by so fast. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. telling me, yeah, George. You're telling me. Do you get the impression, as somebody that's been performing this music and leading this orchestra for a while now, do you get the impression that big band music is is poised to make a comeback or has become more popular in recent years? Well, I mean, for it to for it to make a comeback, you would have to say that big band hasn't been part of a uh, mainstream culture uh, in America. Uh, so, like, I, I, I really believe that the big band sound has always been part of um, of our style. Mm. So, uh, last 10 or 15 years or so, I think big band music, like in the style of Count Basie, Glenn Miller, Benny Goodman, and Frank Sinatra, has been very popular because of the resurgence of swing dancing and the, and the culture. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist, Frank. Uh, I, I think big band music will be ready to make his, um, for lack of a better term, I guess a comeback again. This, if, it, if it makes a comeback, Frank, it would be like a fifth or sixth comeback since the heydays of the 40s. You know well, I mean? so what do you think it's about? Because my impression is that you're seeing a lot of young people gravitate towards this big band sound, and I'm wondering if that's... I mean, these people are too young for this to be nostalgia. There's something about this sound that really appeals to young people. Have you noticed that? And what do you think that's about? Definitely. Definitely. I think it's about the beat and the rhythm, mm. because folks... Uh, Young folks are always looking for something new. So something old can be new again if you wait long enough, I guess, if that makes any sense. Um, but I think the young folks uh, that are gravitating towards the big band sound, and if I do say so, if it's done right, if the big band sound is done right in a hip fashion and it's given a fresh approach. So when we play, when the, when the make-believe Borough Orchestra uh, at Bond 45 every Monday night plays that big band sound, it's done with a verb, with an excitement. And I think uh, the, the younger generation uh, sees that and finds it extra appealing. Um, and that's what you'll see at Bond 45 um, every Monday night. We're very happy. We had an opening night a few days ago, and it was a big success. Um, and our, our, by the way, uh, Frank, our producer, Steve Garrett, says hello. Uh, well, Steve is, yeah. a, uh, Steve is a great guy, a, a good friend, and... Uh, a friend of mine for uh, probably close to 20 years, maybe more. And uh, that's great that uh, that uh, he's producing you. He's one of the greatest yes. uh, producers in New York these days. And uh, that that's wonderful. I'm pleased to hear that. Um, so, oh, 
No, yeah. please. Yeah. Now, he's a great guy. I've always been quite fond of Steve, and I'm grateful that he was able to introduce us. But um, Oh, thank you so much, yes. You perform with a 14-piece band, right? Is that yes. about standard for most swing orchestras these days, or do more? Do most of them have more or less, or is that about standard? Um. Yes, it's sort of a medium-sized big band. The standard instrumentation of a of a big band in the style of like Glenn Miller and Count Basie is actually seventeen pieces. But mm. uh, we trimmed our horn section a little for Bond Forty Five, um, and you know, so we we have a due to the size of the stage and and everything, we can create a great big band sound with the fourteen pieces. So. When you come down to Bond 45 on Monday nights, uh, you get that classic swing era big band uh, style, the arrangements, the uh, compositions. Um, it, it's, it's genuine. So it's like really a true presentation of the of the classic big band, swing era big band style. That, that's great. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with George G. He leads the uh, George G. Swing Orchestra, also known as the Make Believe Ballroom Orchestra. They're performing every Monday night here in New York from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Uh, doors open at 730. Uh, you can you can go every Monday night. It's a great time. And is there dancing also, George? Oh, yes. Uh, we have a, a specific program of swing and ballroom dancing. Uh, not only do we do the classic swing style for Lindy Hop, and, but we also offer music for Fox Trots, uh, uh, cha-chas and waltzes, that whole motif of dance music. There's a nice dance floor there. There's great cuisine. Uh, as you know, Bon 45 offers excellent Italian food. Absolutely. And it's, lo- and it's located, you know what they say about uh, a successful venue, uh, Frank, location, location, location. It's in the heart of Times Square, New York City, the crossroads of the world. So, uh, Frank, we're really looking forward to hosting you and getting you on the dance floor and, and showing us your life, fantastic. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, you know. I, I don't know. I I don't know about the dance floor, but uh, I'm definitely going to come and uh, I'm going to get into the groove of the 1930s and 1940s with a martini or a Manhattan. I can promise you that. <laughs> uh, hey, do people need to uh, get tickets in advance, or can they just show up to Bond Forty Five? Well, I mean, we anticipate that the night's going to be, uh, you know successful and a ticket will be a hot number. So advance reservations are always a plus by contacting Bond 45. Uh, but yes, you can definitely just walk off the street and make a last minute decision to come and swing with us. Uh, but obviously call the restaurant, make a reservation and um, you get the best seat in the house. Yeah. And uh, if people want to go online, they can go to bond 45 ny.com. That's uh, bond 45ny.com. Now, you performed all over the world, Japan, Switzerland, Jordan, Brazil, Canada, South Korea, of course, all over this country. (laughs) What is it like uh, performing um, this sort of music, swing music from, Mm -hmm. you know, from the 30s and 40s in a place like Japan or Switzerland versus a city like New York? I think a lot of New Yorkers might think that this would be a, a, a format that's totally alien to the Japanese or the Swiss. Is that the case? Do they take to it? Uh, no, quite the opposite, Frank, because um, I find that the music is a, is, is a universal language. Um, 
you know, I think big band music and jazz and uh, American jazz, especially, actually might actually have a bigger fan base outside of New York than New York. I mean, obviously, New York, I mean, between me and you, Frank, we know that New York is the capital of the world. Um, Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. But uh, you you would be surprised of how um, the classic American big band uh, sound is has such a fan base not just in the states of New York City, but definitely um, in countries outside. Like and when we went to Brazil and Japan, um, they went gaga over the um, uh, the New York City big band playing swinging in that hardcore fashion. So yes, and I'm happy to say swing is alive all over the world. That's wonderful. I'm very happy to hear that. Did you have a mentor when it came to uh, wanting to pursue this sort of music? Oh, okay. Did I mentor? Did you have a mentor, somebody that you looked up to, somebody that took you under their their wing? Yes. I mean, when I... I guess the, the two... Count Basie uh, is my was a dear friend of mine, and uh, I interviewed him for my college radio station in 1979 when I was in college, and we developed we struck up a very specific relationship uh, about this music. And when I told him about my aspirations about being a big band leader back in the late 70s, which is you know, which is kind of a crazy idea even in these days and time, being a big band leader, um, he put his whole um, reputation and ins- inspiration behind me and really having his uh, positivity in my corner really, really in- in- initiated my career in the big band business. So uh, I was lucky, Frank. I, was, I, I, I guess if I was, I was mentored by, the, by, the, by one of the greatest and that's a privilege that I will cherish, um, you know, forever. For you know, sure. it's funny. Earlier in the show, we were doing a segment about life-altering moments influenced by luck. And really, I, I mean, it would, strikes me that that could be an example of that. Had you not interviewed Count Basie for your college radio station, your whole life could have been different. Yes, right. I, I could have been uh, – I went to college for mechanical engineer. I could have – I could have been a mechanical engineer. I well, don't know. Th- thank goodness you avoided that fate. <laughs> you would have turned out to be a real loser. Yeah, my mom would be a lot happier. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, if I I, would, I, I pursue the engineering um, path, but you're right, Frank. You know, life is so you know choices that you make in your life uh, definitely has a big influence on the path that you take. And I have no regret of being uh, starting my 42nd year in the big band business. And the, the joy that the music has spread and the, the smile and the uh, the bright eye, the eyes I see in people's faces in the audience on the dance floor will um, will, will contribute to the fact that I, I feel like I'm, I'm helping to make the world a little bit of a better place. And that's a little bit of what the story about the Make Believe Forum is at, at, at Farm 45 every Monday. Um, the Make Believe Ballroom, where we play at, is a is a joint that you can come and be happy and forget your troubles and be positive and just help make the world a little bit of a better place. And that's all we can do, I guess, right? 
Exactly. Uh, and uh, I think you're doing a great job. Again, uh, you could see George G. and the Make Believe Ballroom uh, Band at Bond 45 every Monday night from 8 to 11 p.m., uh, $25, very reasonable fee to see a show like this. Uh, it's uh, certainly in midtown Manhattan. I don't know of anything that costs uh, $25. Um, and now, George, there's a lot of folks that like to go and dance, but a lot of uh, folks, especially maybe some older listeners, they like this kind of music, but they like to just go and have dinner and enjoy some nice conversation. Can you do that? Can you go and uh, just have dinner and enjoy a nice conversation? Or is it going to be so loud everywhere that you can't have a conversation? Oh, absolutely. Not. You know, the misconception about a big man that the big is volume mm. not necessarily that case the big band the big in this big band is more about uh fullness of sound and any professional uh, uh big band ensemble will know how to project more of a full sound rather than just a loud sound a full sound to me frank is more enticing to your ears while a loud sound could be more shrilling when you come to Bond 45, yes, you can have a table, enjoy dinner. You don't have to dance. I mean, you can, you know, you can believe me, you know, you can enjoy music without having to dance. And uh, there's a nice bar area. So even if you come, you know, if you come solo, you can just hang out at the bar or, or just chill out. So there's many options to have a a very enjoyable evening of entertainment. Wonderful. New York City style. Wonderful. Sure. Well, I am, uh, I'm going to definitely be there. I'm going to, I don't know that I can make it this coming Monday. Um, but well, maybe I can actually. All right. I'm going to, I will be there sooner rather than later. And uh, hopefully a lot of our listeners will come visit you as well, George, and uh, give us a review of how the make believe ballroom orchestra is holding up. Oh, oh, thank you so much, Frank. We would, we would love to have you and all the great music lovers to come on down and join us. Uh, you know, our producer Steve and myself, George G, will welcome you guys with welcome arms. And don't forget, in the words of Duke Ellington, it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. <laughs> do up, do up, do up, do up, do up. Yeah, uh, right. All right, uh, George G, it has been a real treat. Uh, I will look forward to coming see you, and we'll enjoy your music in the meantime. Thank you, Frank. If you want to comment on any portion of my interview with George G., you're welcome to give us a call, 833-969-4447. That's 833-969-4447. You can comment on anything else that we've covered uh, thus far as well. Uh, denunciations or uh, Dr. Turi and his predictions, any re- feedback to ask Frank anything, uh, anything you want to get off your chest, now's the time. 833-969-4447. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. 77 WABC.
This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Hey, uh, had a great time last night at uh, a fundraiser, at a cigar and uh, cocktail fundraiser, uh, not far from here, at uh, the uh, Alora restaurant on 47th Street, at uh, a fundraiser for a, a, a group, a charity called Lyrics for Lucas. I was really so glad that I went. I was invited by one of our great listeners, Albert DiGiulio, and uh, he listens regularly. He listens to the later part of the show. And, um, you know, initially, I'll tell you what attracted me to this event. He said three things, right? One, he says he listens, okay? If you listen to this show, I will do almost anything for you. Do you I don't know that you fully comprehend how, you, you know, we have multiple listeners right now that are looking for a kidney. Uh, we have Sophia and at least two other listeners that are wanting a kidney. I really want to give them a kidney because they listen. Now, I, I'm not going so far as to do it at this point, but it may get to that point. Now, by the way, if you want to give a kidney to one of our great listeners, uh, please email me and I'll put you in touch with them. Frank Morano at WABCRadio.com. That's Frank.M-O-R-A-N-O at WABCRadio.com. Great folks all. Now, so one is he listens. Two, he said there was going to be cigars at this thing and, and cocktails to go with it. And three, it was right by our radio station. So there's a lot to be said for convenience. A lot to be said for convenience when it comes to everything. I have a friend, he grew up Catholic. He, I mean, he is Catholic. He lives up the block from a Lutheran school. And he says to me all the time that he's working so hard to get his wife to become Lutheran just so they can go to the Lutheran church up the block instead of going a few a few blocks away to a Catholic church. Now, he's joking in part, but not really that much because there's a lot to be said for convenience. And uh, I was so glad that I went to this, and he, uh, I brought a couple of friends uh, with me, and a few listeners came. I mentioned earlier that Donna from Huntington was there. Very nice of her. She was a uh, delightful company, as she always is. I, I uh, brought uh, Joe Ween and uh, Lauren Conlon and, um, least, uh, and my friend Christine Petraglia, all, all great folks. And, you know, I, I um, expected, you know, because they're all generous people that they'd all want to make a donation to this great foundation, which I'll tell you about in a second. But um, so, you know, Lauren, for instance, made a donation. And then all Albert had to say was that he used to really enjoy hearing Lauren Conlon on the radio and following her Instagram. And even though she'd already made the donation, she said, I have to make a much bigger donation now. And the other friends that I bought that I brought as soon as Albert told his story, um, they were compelled to make a donation. And if you want to make a donation, you can lyricsforlucas.org. So about eight, about, yeah, about six years ago, Albert and his wife put their two-year-old twins to bed as part of their regular, normal routine. Lo and behold, um, Lucas... A healthy 22-month boy, 22-month-old boy, passed away in his sleep that night. So when Albert went to wake him in the morning, he was gone. Now, since he was over the age of one, 
they don't call it SIDS, which is everybody knows about sudden infant death syndrome. But instead, it's ruled sudden, unexplained death in childhood. Uh, Sudsy, I guess. Um, And that occurs when an apparently healthy child beyond a year old dies without warning and without cause. So the family was left with no answers as to why their precious uh, boy had died. And it was great to see so many corporate sponsors and so many people wanting to allow Lucas's memory to uh, to live on because the work they're doing is great. They are helping families that have uh, been affected with this loss. They're working hard on building a really nice uh, sort of a one-acre playground at Hershey Park in Pennsylvania that's going to include essentially a memorial for children that have died from sudden unexplained death in childhood. And um, I was really inspired, and uh, I'm glad that I went, and I think I agreed to emcee their event in October. I was glad I didn't have to speak at this because it allowed me to have a couple of glasses of whiskey without worrying about, um, you know, sounding stupid. So it was a really wonderful event. And uh, and by the way, he gave me a shirt, a Lyrics for Lucas shirt, and he said, oh, it's the least I can do. I have one of yours on. And sure enough, underneath his Lyrics for Lucas shirt, he had on a The Other Side of Midnight shirt, the red one with the alien. He said, would you sign it for me? I signed it. And he might post the photo to the uh, Facebook group. If not, maybe I will. Uh, Morano radio fans and haters. And he says, I have one in gray, too. So this is clearly what all the cool kids are doing. If you want one of those Other Side of Midnight shirts, go to uh, com. That's com. But I got to say, until Albert wrote to me, I didn't know anything about Sudsy. And um, now, you know, I'm very motivated to try and help families that have been affected by this. And I'd say I've thought a lot about um, what what I would do if my son were to die suddenly, die of any cause, but especially suddenly in an unexplained manner like that. And I would be totally unable to function. I would be totally inconsolable. Forget about it, inconsolable. I don't know that I would be able to participate in society. And when you hear about and you see the pictures of somebody like Lucas, you hear about a uh, a beautiful, you know, 22 month old child dying suddenly. And, you know, I'm no holy roller. I think everybody knows that. But um, it really makes one question, at least initially, how God can do something like that. How can God allow so many awful people to do awful things and take this beautiful 22-month-old boy who's as innocent and can be, who's never hurt anybody, didn't never done anything bo- wrong to anybody. And then you look at the, the fact that Lucas's family has started this foundation in, their, in his name and helped probably thousands, maybe even tens of thousands, of other families and built one playground and now they're building another and gotten these backpacks for, um, you know, for other folks and provided scholarships to siblings of children that have died from sudden unexplained um, death in childhood. And it really makes you, I think, understand that uh, God 
is using Lucas's family to do an enormous amount of good. So while it's a real tragedy that Lucas passed away, it's an incredible blessing that his family was able to channel that into something uh, productive. So and something really meaningful and something that helps a lot of people. So I was glad to be there. And uh, it was a, a really it was a great time. Had a good time. Uh, a great party, great music. And uh, I got a cigar, which I did not finish. But fortunately, my friend Joe Ween, whose birthday was yesterday. Happy birthday, Joe. Fortunately, my friend Joe has given up smoking cigars. So he gave me his three. So I have his three. I may smoke one in, in between the time the show ends today and the time our 7 a.m. meeting begins. We have like a two-hour gap there. So I'm trying to figure out if I'll have time to – I will. I'll move my car and then maybe I'll, maybe I'll take a nap. Or maybe I'll walk somewhere to take a nap and smoke a cigar as I walk. We'll see. These are all the tough decisions. But uh, it, was, uh, it was great to see such a good turnout and it was great to see so many of our listeners uh, come. And uh, always a treat to see uh, uh, Donna from Huntington and Lauren Conlon and Christine Petraglia, certainly. Uh, 833-969-4447. If you want to comment on anything we've covered thus far, that's 833-969-4447. By the way, Ellen posted in the Facebook group something about the um, the Vogue story that I read before. Apparently, Vogue has backtracked, Vogue the magazine, and they will not be suing. So there you have it. That is the power of denunciations. We denounce you, and that's that's how you backtrack. Now, I probably should have known that before denouncing them, although I think they still deserve to be denounced for sending this uh, cease and desist. But you know what happens is I keep track of people to denounce all week. So when I see something in the news or I hear something of somebody doing something bad, I'll jot it down. And then I'll I'll put the article on my list. And I don't always go back and check and see if it's been rectified. So I'm glad Vogue has changed their tune. uh, But they're still they remain denounced. All right. 833-969-4447. 833-969-4447. 4447. If you're somebody like me that prefers words to numbers, uh, our number is um, 833-YOW-GIGS. 833-YOW-GIGS. Also, 833-WOW-GIGS. So don't, you know, be very careful with that spelling. You don't want to end up on a on an adult party line or something. John is in Brooklyn. Hello, John. I want to thank you. That was a wonderful interview you did with my high school classmate, George G. Oh, you're kidding. I didn't know you guys went to high school. Now, uh, I, I heard yes. a, I heard an, a rumor that you went to Stuyvesant. Yes, I did. All right. Well, I, um, it's, I'm, glad, uh, I'm glad he didn't turn to the rough-and-tumble world of mechanical engineering, John. By the way, for the longest time, he would play on the deck of the USS Intrepid an annual Memorial Day concert that was open to the public. You know, I'd heard that. I heard he was pretty good. Were you guys friendly when you were in high school? Oh, yeah, we were. Um, And we had classes together. Uh, I haven't seen George in about a year and a half, unfortunately, due to COVID. But, uh, you know, we we, we keep in touch, and um, I'm hoping to head out to Bond 45 at some point to see him and and the band. Great. Well, maybe I'll see you there on a Monday night. 
Yes. Uh, all right, John. Well, great. Congratulations to uh, you, all of your Stuyvesant alumni. You guys have all oh, ended no. up in good places, <laughs> that's for sure. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, uh, John. Appreciate it. All right. Um, if you want to email me, you can, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. It's Friday morning here at the radio station means one thing. It is pizza day. Uh, and even though I had eaten before we got here, I did have two slices of pizza. One, because we got this really interesting pie that had vodka sauce on it and pesto sauce, and I wanted to try it. And obviously you have to try the baseline pie also to see how it compares. So I'm sure I'll regret that with this afternoon's weigh-in. But um, I did try two slices of pizza, and I must say they were both pretty good. Uh, Matt Blaze, I noticed you availing yourself of yes. some of the pizza during the Dr. Turi interview, which is not something that he predicted. But um, what what was your review of the of the pizza? I had what, what would be the margarita pizza. Uh-huh. And it was very good. I was uh, I liked it, and I don't. I'm not a margarita pizza guy. You didn't try the others? No, I did not. Well, one of them was gone. Not the there was one pie. that was a meat pie. Yeah, that was gone. That was gone. That's the video people. I've noticed the video people like the the meat pies. <laughs> is that what it is? That's true. Yeah, yeah. that the, the video the meat pie was gone. The vodka pie I did not try. I like regular cheese pizza. Just mm. regular cheese pizza. I'm like Kevin McAllister in Home Alone. I just want a plain cheese pizza. Well, you know, there's uh, there's a lid for every pot, right? Different That's strokes correct. for different folks, right? Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, Philippe, what was your review of the uh, of the pizza? I had that vodka pesto one. It was really good. It was. It's, it's a little out of the ordinary. Very. You know, strange. Um, half of it was like very like liquefied. I don't know if it was. It had like a lot of like oil on it. Really? It was super greasy. I had, I had to use like three paper towels to like wipe huh. it off. Huh. Yeah, that good. wasn't my experience. Nonetheless, though, it was really good. Um, but and, and you know, I'll tell you, when I went down to greet the deliveryman, um, it was still hot. It was like there was steam emanating from the box. So I, I raced it up here to get it up here while it was still hot. It's rare that it still arri- it arrives. You know, it's usually warm, but it's rare that it arrives from a pizza shop that hot. So that was neat. Hey, um, we did last week. A whole bunch of reels that I thought were very funny on the WABC Instagram page. Uh, so you can follow it at uh, 77WABC. I've shared one of them, um, which is me talking about how our president, Chad Lopez, uh, Chalo, takes all of my lapel pins. And I, st- I took a lapel pin in this video. I don't want to spoil the ending for you and tell you what the lapel pin was. But you can actually see it in action. So you can find it on my Instagram page at uh, Morano Vision. That's M-O-R-A-N-O Vision. And you can see all the reels. I shot a whole bunch of them. One was was supposed to be on Friday the 13th because I felt so bad. Last week, we were doing the show on Friday. It was Friday the 13th. I had no idea. I would have done all sorts of cool Friday the 13th stuff. And I we didn't know about it until one of the people that work here, Gina, was walking around in a Friday the 13th T-shirt and then I wanted to hit myself. So I said, all right, well, they've been wanting me to do these reels. So I shot a Friday the 13th reel, but I don't think that one got posted. But a bunch of other ones did. We did one related to uh, tab. We did one related to lapel pins. And we have a couple of other ones that are that are coming. So um, you can go to I, – I shared one of them on my Facebook page as well at uh, facebook.com slash M-O-R-A-N-O fan. Uh, the video department and the social media department in general, they are all doing a great job. Although I will say, 
my I've always said that I much prefer radio because you kind of create pictures with words. You're you let your imagination run wild. And I think it's good for you. I think it actually helps stave off dementia. And I've always said that I like people to be able to picture whatever I'm doing, the words that we're, we're using, the sounds that we're using and craft their own picture in their in their mind. But you can't do that if they can just see a video of you, which is why I've generally been opposed to videos of this radio show. But, you know, you can't fight City Hall, right? So they post this video of the social media folks who do a great job. I can't stress that enough. The other day, one of these reels of me talking about McDonald's. Now, I talked about I talked about um, McDonald's and I mentioned that they're unhealthy. Now, McDonald's is unhealthy, right? Go see the movie Super Size Me. And and see if you think McDonald's is healthy. Have they gotten healthier since then? Maybe, but not much. So, lo and behold, rather than focus on what I'm saying, which was McDonald's pulling out of Russia, because you can see the video instead of just uh, hearing the audio, a whole bunch of, of social media users, I don't remember if it was Facebook or Instagram, they all start uh, ridiculing me for being overweight. And they all start saying, well, oh, yeah, I'm sure this guy's really concerned about uh, McDonald's being uh, unhealthy. Now, so that's, again, exhibit triple Z, where I don't like these videos because my looks, such as they are, distracted from what I was saying. So, which is a real uh, shame. So, uh, Marlena Schiavo and uh, David Schwartz are here. I'm very much looking forward to having them in studio. They are are two of my favorites, and uh, I have a feeling they're going to be two of yours as well. Hey, uh, very interesting. If you um, missed any portion of the show this week, uh, tomorrow afternoon, Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock, right after Curtis and Anthony Weiner, they're going to play the... Uh, the best of the other side of midnight. So I'm not sure which segments we're going to select for that, but you can bet it's going to be something good. And if you ever miss any portion of the show, just search uh, the other side of midnight on uh, whatever podcast app you have. Click the subscribe button. And if you give us a five star review and uh, you know a nice positive comment, that'll help other people discover the show as well. You know, I mentioned this lyrics for Lucas event and uh, Donna being there. She becomes like an evangelist for this show. She interacts with all these people who've never heard of me, don't have any interest in in hearing me, and she makes them subscribe to the podcast right then and there. If we had 5,000 more Donnas, forget about it. We'd take uh, take on the world, that's for sure. Uh, uh, Also, coming up on the uh, Bernie and Sid show, Sid is uh, solo, from what I understand today. A very interesting interview that Sid did this week with uh, Andrew Giuliani. And by the looks of it, it looks like he is getting ready to jump off that uh, Lee Zeldin train onto onto Team Giuliani. So, uh, you know, Sid Rosenberg asked me privately off air the other day, he says, "Hey, what, what do you think of me? Uh, what do you think of me going to uh, abandoning Zeldin and uh, going to Andrew Giuliani? What do you think that does?" I said, "Sid, who cares who you endorse? You're there pontificating on the radio. What difference does your endorsement make?" And then, and then he laughs. He says, oh. <laughs> "But here's the I'm thing. insane." <laughs> Here's the thing: people do, and I guess they do because Lee Zeldin was so, you know, threatened. That he called Sid, he asked to come on, and Sid says, all right, but well, I'm going to ask you tough questions. And he did. He did a very good interview with Lee Zeldin yesterday, too. So that's coming up at 6 uh, on the on the Bernie and Sid show. I'm sure there will be another gubernatorial candidate that's reaching out to Sid to 
get him to say something nice about them. All right, Marlena Shivo's here. David Schwartz is here. There's no telling what can happen. I certainly can't tell you what can happen. Uh, you want to comment on anything we've covered, 833-969-4447. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Until then, your input count, so use it. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. If you need a refuge from all the mass shootings we're experiencing on a daily basis, from the record high gas prices, from the wars raging in Eastern European countries and Middle Eastern countries, look no further and listen no further than this radio program. Because for the next hour, we have assembled a panel of two of the most interesting, informative, entertaining people that we could get convinced to come in studio at 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, that's right. I am very, very pleased uh, to welcome uh, Marlena Shivo, who is uh, a regular guest on this show, a close friend of mine, veteran media producer, satirist, social critic, and mother of two. Marlena, good morning. How are you? Hi, Frank. I'm good. How are you? I'm well. Thank you. And um, David Schwartz, who I've interviewed many times before, but I don't know that he's come in studio since we've been doing this show. He is an attorney, a former prosecutor, a lobbyist, a TV analyst, and a bunch of other things. David, good morning. Great being here. Can we turn David's mic on? There we go. Okay. Oh, there we go. Okay. No, it's great being here. I'm a big fan of Marlena's. We share a birthday together. Yeah. I, I heard about that. David, let me get you to use another mic. Okay. See, you, you know, we, we, I'm sorry we didn't Any, get to test that before. Me, I appreciate right? that. Anywhere. So, Marlena, what he just said. Right. Hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Okay, that's great. Better. What he just said about sharing a birthday, that's accurate. Yeah, of course that's accurate. August 6th. August 6th. Wow. Who else is born on August 6th? Um, there's a bunch. You know, it's interesting when you have a birthday, you see all the various right. people. Right now, you know, it's a little early in the morning, so my brain isn't. Uh, but. <laughs> Lucille Ball. Lucille Ball. True? It was the bombing of Hiroshima. That 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 uh, I know. There's I, also an August 6 memo that I'm sure all New Yorkers are familiar with. Remind me what that one was again. It was I, about I know. the twin towers. Right, 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 yeah. right, right, right. Uh, that was the presidential uh, briefing. Yeah. Osama bin Laden determined to attack. Exactly. That was the yes. August okay. 6th memo. That's right. Correct. So that's right. So, but Marlena and I are both clearly Leos, and <laughs> and, and it shows. That's for sure. You, how how much do you buy into uh, astrology? That there mm. are common characteristics with common astrological signs. Uh, do you want to take that, Marlena? I mean, that's, it seems like more your topic. Oh, no, no. <laughs> that's, that's, I feel like it's your guest from earlier, uh, Dr. Turi. Dr. Turi, yes. Hey, I mean, I don't love this, but I was kind of laughing a little bit when he was saying, like, expect more shootings. Of course. Of course. Right. Expect, that's true. That's true. Of course we're going to expect more shootings. But um, as far as the stars go, the only thing I kind of, like, roll with 
is um, not so much what you're talking about with like Leos, but more so with uh, like the full moon. I think th- things get a little out uh-huh. of whack with the full moon, just a little bit. Well, yeah. What about you? Where do you come down on astrology, uh, uh, David? Uh, you know, I believe. Look, I'm open. Uh, you know, I think I grew up close-minded, but I, I'm open to everything. I mean, we're we're all here. I'm open to to any theories, anything. So I'm open to it. Uh, right, do I believe? You, you do I believe in it? Noticed anything? I, 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 yeah, I mean the full moon thing is is a good point, but um, you know, I, I I think things happen for a reason. I don't necessarily believe in astrology, but I I am definitely a spiritual person. Well, you know what has convinced me, and I I never really considered myself. I never really thought about astrology one way or another. But what has convinced me that that there's something to this stuff is. Um, you know, whenever I, I look through the birthdays every day to see whose birthday it is, right? Just to say, oh, it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whoever's birthday. And I'm always amazed at how it, so often it seems like athletes are born on the same day, actors are born on the same day, musicians are born on the same day. And initially you think, all right, well, that's there's a finite universe of famous people. Maybe that's why they're coming up. But it happens too often. And I felt that way ever since I learned that. You know, Rush Limbaugh and Howard Stern have the same birthday, right? I mean, you talk about two two of the greatest talk talents of this era. What are the chances that they would just have the same right, birthday? Right, right. I have a very interesting one, and, and we won't get too far into the weeds on this. But I was born August 6, 1967, and I w- met a woman who, you know, a friend of a friend. And, and, so sh- and it turns out she was born on August 6, 1967, and we were both born in Maimonides Hospital in Brooklyn. So we were together in the in the baby. Oh. I mean, what are the chances of meeting somebody like that? Right. I mean, that, that's, that's an amazing. That's so we not celebrate. not so much dumb luck, but it's more happenstance. That's right. That is happenstance. Okay. That's yeah, that, that's- <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. Uh, last thing I'll mention about August 6th. One of the great losers on August 6th was Hiram W. Johnson. Do you Are you familiar with Hiram W. No. Johnson? Hiram, unfortunately, neither is anybody else <laughs> because of he died on August 6th. Now, he was the governor of California. Mm. He, I think, was Theodore. Roosevelt's running mate in 1912, one of the leading progressive Republican politicians of the early part of the 20th century, and he died on August 6, 1945, the same day that they bombed, you know, Hiroshima. Right. So because he died the day they bombed Hiroshima, nobody was talking about him at all. He was the Farrah Fawcett of his era, you know, dying the same day as Michael Jackson. And, and now everybody thinks Farrah Fawcett's still alive because she never got her kind of moment in the sun. Yeah, you know? I mean, that... Uh- that that's it that you know whenever there's a scandal that breaks and you know people are doing reputation management whenever there's a catastrophe or something like that it happens and you see that a lot you would say to yourself wow this story would be the number one story in New York, but for some horrible well, thing that's going on. Yeah, I mean, on, the best example know. of that, I guess, is Gary Condit right before September 11th. You remember right. the wall-to-wall coverage of, right. of Gary Condit and, and Chandra Levy uh, until September 11th? That's right. Well, but there was another case that was huge up until September 11th, which was – you might not remember this, but it was the Newlander case. It was a murder of it was it was a national story. It was this rabbi in New Jersey who um, had his wife murdered, and he was on trial. And it it was getting all of this traction. I mean, it was like CNN was covering it, and then boom, September 11th, and it just it just it went is. away. See, that's what happens. Hiram W. Johnson was the was the Gary Condit of his era, not in terms of, you know, philandering or anything, but in terms of being forgotten. Wait, one more thing, though. So we were just for in terms of like famous people. So we have, like I said, Lucille Ball and we have Andy Warhol. So you're like, okay, great. (laughs) Right. But then we have Euron Vandersloat, which was, as we know, the 
alleged murderer of Natalie Holloway in Aruba. And then um, the other one, um, who was the little dancing girl? Why can't oh, I think oh, of John her name? Ramsey. John Benet uh, Ramsey. You did I'm your like, research on this. What, well, wow. That's her birthday, too? That's her birthday, too? We covered those stories so oh, much. Right, right. And, I'm, and then it would just... There it was, their birthdays, and I was like, ooh, I don't really want any affiliation with these two cases. And Frank, I met Marlena many years ago through Nancy Grace. Uh, you you know, know, I, I had heard that. So, I had heard that. I'd forgotten. It's, just, it's such a small world. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, if you go to the, the website, I'm not going to spend much time on this, but the SIOctopusDisaster.com, apparently there was a very famous incident of um, an octopus, a giant octopus, attacking the Staten Island Ferry on November 22nd, 1963, but it was totally overshadowed because that was the same day as the Kennedy assassination, so nobody remembers this octopus. So this one artist uh, built this memorial to it that you, people could still see in Battery Park, or you could just go to the website, siOctopusDisaster.com. It's a wild story. All right. Um, you, between the two of you, you guys have a great deal of expertise, which I'm grateful for because I just realized that I forgot to write out trivia questions for the $1,000 minute. So I'm hoping that we can uh, maybe use your collective expertise on uh, putting together some trivia I'm questions. I'm still so annoyed by um, the clip you sent me of uh, Curtis Lee while making fun of me. About that, because what? there's so much to make fun of Curtis for and, and his like brain fart moments, which is on the daily. And then he has the audacity. Wow. I had to actually skip through it because I couldn't. I had to scrub <laughs> through the audio. I didn't even want to hear half the stuff he said about me. So basically, David, you might not know this because you were probably sleeping. But, you know, so Monday of I guess maybe last week. He, so he does this like thousand dollar question in sixty seconds. I mean thousand. You'll see. You'll be here okay. For it. Oh, thousand yeah. dollars. You got to answer ten trivia questions in sixty there seconds. There you go. And Marlena, with all her bravado, her patented Marlena Barava, she said, "I could answer all those questions," and she could not. I did it before. I didn't answer all of them, but like the first time, I was better. She got tripped up on what countries to the south of the United <laughs> no, States. No, 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 no. Oh, well, that's yeah. I, I, but, tricky. But, but something tells me about Marla. I, I bet you you're very good at trivia. Um, I always go blank on trivia type questions. Well, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. I've noticed that with listeners, they get uh, they get flustered. Yeah, I got flustered. flustered. But I think you and Curtis sort of. You know, at war with each other a little bit. I think that's. I think that's a good thing. I that may be no. Good. She got. She was. She was uh, shrapnel. She was. She was just. You know, crossfire. In the. In the, he, Curtis was trying to make fun of me, and unfortunately, oh, she got more Lena got a little bit. Okay. Yes. Uh, it happens. It does. Yeah. It does. But, All right. Um, although I've hit Curtis a bunch. I don't even think he hears it or remembers who said it, <laughs> but it's fine. Curtis doesn't remember his own name, let alone or anybody else. That, that's true. That's true. All right. Um, let me get your take, uh, David, because I know you follow the legal scene and the political scene very yep. closely on what we're seeing in terms of gerrymandering. Uh, today's the day where the court's special master releases the new maps for the congressional lines for the state senate lines we got some tentative lines earlier in the week uh hakeem jeffries and some of the black groups were upset and uh Kalman yeager and some of the orthodox jewish groups they're upset everyone's upset except bill de blasio who looks like he may finally find an elective office that he can fit have into. his little piece of uh land exactly in but Jimmy, tell me politically and yeah. legally how do you see yeah. this so all playing so out? so this has been a, a this has been a topic of mine for a long time gerrymandering is a scourge on society okay and this it's not a political statement. I'm not in any political party. It's a scourge on society. It doesn't matter if Republicans gerrymander in Wyoming somewhere or, or Democrats gerrymander in the state of New York. 
it has created this radical type of politics that we're seeing where there's either a red district or a blue district as opposed to competitive districts. And 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 in New York, they just, you know, it was like a perfect storm. So the Democrats got a supermajority in the state assembly and in the state Senate. Mm-hmm. And by having that supermajority, they could wipe out the minority. It was supposed to be, you know, a bipartisan effort to draw the best lines possible. But once they got a hold of the supermajority and during the moment in time where you had to redraw the lines, they redrew the Republicans into oblivion. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if these lines were kept, this would, even though we are a one-party state anyway, this would have been an absolute one-party state for the foreseeable future. So the genius of this Court of Appeals decision, I'm very proud of the Court of Appeals. I used to uh, I used to be a commissioner on the Commission on Judicial Nomination that picked judges for the Court of Appeals, and I am so proud of... Who appointed of, you to that? Andrew Cuomo? Uh, Joe Bruno appointed oh, really? me to that. Yeah, oh, I had a okay. very great... I had a very same, close same. relationship with Big Joe fan. Bruno. What a, what, a, what a great man he yeah, was. one of a kind. So, so, so anyway... Um, they, you had districts, you know, New York Congressional three was unbelievable that, that it went from Suffolk County to Nassau County to Queens to the Bronx to Westchester. How could, um, a, a congressperson represent their constituents, you know, when you have to go from, you know, because it was gerrymandered so the Democrats could get the maximum amount. And it was even more absurd in the New York state Senate where, where they really were going to create this supermajority forever. So the genius of the, you know the the certainly the Republican group sued and you know we we all know what happened but look these were judges I I was shocked because these were judges all appointed by uh democratic governors but you know what when you're a judge you have to put the law before politics, and that's exactly what they did. These lines were so clearly unconstitutional. These lines were so clearly, you know, illegal. You know, based on on partisan um, strategies. So, go ahead. no, no, no. Yeah. I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. Um, this week, just two days ago, May 18th, the League of Women Voters has filed a federal lawsuit. Um, th- asking the primaries for governor and for state assembly to also take place in August and to restart the petitioning process for the statewide races. Um, and I, honestly, I read the complaint. I think it makes sense. Makes it, sense. It, you know, why shouldn't uh, they restart it for the con- the statewide races as well? as the congressional races, right? I mean, yeah, I, look, I, I, I mean, to, have, to the, the voters are not, you know, they're not focused in on this 24-7. So to make the voters now show up twice to the polls. Well, and is, the taxpayers is, have is, to is pay for that. Taxpayer, oh, you would know more about that than yeah. anyone. I remember uh, your, you know, what you did with that. But, 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 um, and it was phenomenal that you did that to prove a point. Yeah, well, the Daily yeah. News, I yeah. believe, referred to me as a uh, political hack with a talent for wasting taxpayer money. That yeah, was- but <laughs> you know what? What you did was you weren't looking to necessarily waste money. You were looking to prove yeah. a point. Well, and separately, so- the legis- legislature did listen to me. They combined yeah. the yeah. primary. So um, so you think these new lines are a positive? I, I think, think the new when you look at the new lines, they, you know, the special master made – there wasn't a political thing – they, the special master took the lines and created. And if you look at it, it's like, um, you know, Marlene has, as as young children. So, so it was like you're cutting a sheet cake, a square sheet cake into squares. That's what it. That's what it was. That's what the lines are in New York now. They're beautiful. They make sense. A, 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 a representative, whether you're a state senator or or a congressperson, could represent their constituents properly. Where there's 
a, a definite district that makes sense. And it's going to be, and, and this is a decision that's going to be historic. It's going to live on forever. And we're going to have, because of this decision, we're going to have a two party system in New York where the Republicans aren't um, gerrymandered into oblivion and no good democracy. Um, uh, operates on a one-party system. Did David Schwartz just say that only people with small children know what a sheet cake is? <laughs> now, believe me. Believe me. I know, tr- look at me. Do you think I don't know what a sheet cake is? Same. Well, uh, that's <laughs> very maybe I funny. heard you wrong. That is very funny. Uh, a gerrymandering, of course, uh, named for Elbridge Jerry, the fifth yeah. vice president of the United States, which may come up in the $1,000 minute in about 15 minutes, oh, yeah. so people should listen carefully. Um, do you have anything to say about the, the district lines in New Jersey? No, no? I don't right Good. now, All right. thank you play. for asking. So one of the people <laughs> whose district has remained largely intact is uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and uh, we got the news yesterday that she's now engaged. And didn't I say that and, I did and not? Y- you informed me that you did not want to comment on that. W- why do you not want to comment on uh, Congresswoman a, Ocasio-Cortez? I'm, just, I'm not a fan. I feel like she's too much of a newsmaker and, and for, for no reason. And I, I don't know why we need to care that she's getting married right now. Uh, David, do you care at all that she's getting I, married? I don't care. You don't I, care? I, re- I, really, I really don't care. I, I, wish, I wish her the best. You know, lots of yeah. nachas for the future. <laughs> and, you know, or, but, 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 you know, I wish, I wish good on everyone. Mm-hmm. But um, I, you know, I don't agree with her policies, and uh, you know, I'm I'm more of a middle of, a, of the road type of guy. Right. All right. Well, um, we are hoping that uh, she and her fiance do not succumb to monkeypox, which apparently everybody is succumbing to now. There's two different types of monkeypox. Um, one has a one percent fatality rate. One has a ten percent fatality rate. Uh, Marlena, what's happening now with monkeypox? Is it time to start panicking yet? No, and, and and what's happening is that anything now that's like rare is is just making headlines. So some guy in Massachusetts, Massachusetts has monkeypox, and he's been in the hospital. He's doing fine, but of course the CDC has to come out and talk about you know what to look for and what to you know what. And it's always the same thing. It's always a fever. It's this you know it's uh, exhaustion. I mean it's like any other flu like symptom that you would get with anything else um and swollen lymph nodes apparently swollen lymph nodes is what sets monkeypox apart from smallpox and get this and where have we heard this before 14 day incubation oh, period boy. you hate that <laughs> um but why why are is it from monkeys why is it named monkeypox it says rodents it says it's from you, can, rodents. you can get it from rodents and then um, obviously, it can be transferred between humans. It can be transferred in every every which way, like COVID. Like COVID and, or the yeah, flu exactly. Or the correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is much more serious. One percent in one strain and ten percent fatality in the other. Okay. But you're not ready to panic yet. Uh, no. No. Okay. Panic is not part of my DNA, David. Um, there actually have been a lot of calls for as the number of COVID cases has gone up in cities like New York. For bringing back some of these COVID restrictions like uh, masks indoors and things like that. New York hasn't done that yet. But where do you come down on that? Do you think we should uh, follow the uptick in cases towards greater restrictions or not? Well, as you as you probably remember, I brought one of the first vaccine cases in New York. In fact, you I, wanted to interview my clients. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. And I remember you were like, do they want to come in at 3 in the morning or 4 in the morning? I'm like, what's <laughs> even talking about? But, but, but – and that's what, that's what got me – you know – 
it, it really got me focused in on you and what you were doing here in the middle of the night. I'm like, this is great stuff. This is a great brand that Frank is creating. Well, but all right, let me get that. back to the to the. Uh, I'm, I'm not for any restrict. I'm for. I'm not for any of these restrictions. Okay, if somebody, you know, I believe that uh, as a, as adults, we have the right to um, take our own precautions. So if somebody wants to stay in their house, somebody wants to be in their basement for two years, somebody wants to wear a mask, you know, everybody should be welcome to take any precautions. Did you just take a shot that- at Joe Biden? With that basement yeah. comment? <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's a whole other No, there's a lot of people that have been in their basements for two years, no, you know, know, and I they're know. pretending like, you know, they're, you know, the whole world is, is coming to an end. It's not I coming know. to an end. I've been out there every single day during this pandemic, and that was my choice. You know, yeah. I went into my well, office. Same, same. You know, yeah, you know that, I, that's I our choice, yeah. and we should have that choice. Right. So, I no, the, the short answer is no, I don't believe in any restrictions. Uh, Marlene, are you concerned, seriously, that um, the specter of monkeypox, which is getting a lot of attention in the last day or so, could be used from some of these public authorities and some of these health authorities, which you already don't like, to um, clamp down on some of the freedoms that we've gradually gotten back over the last 10 months. No, not so much the monkeypox, but what you were saying about the uptick in the cases. cases. Um, I noticed, though, um, that uh, I guess they're not going to bring back restrictions. Um, They're just saying they're just suggesting now, like, hey, you know, you should if you're. You know, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask, and they're leaving it up to people. Wow, what a concept. What That's what everybody, well, a lot of people have been asking for from the beginning. Like, if I want to get vaccinated, I'll get vaccinated. If I don't want to get vaccinated, I won't get vaccinated, yada, yada, yada. Um, but I think it's all political at this point because I feel like, you know, that it's um, they're not going to do anything crazy right now at all mm-hmm. because of the midterms coming up. There's no way they're going to just start doing because then they're then they're really dead in the water. Right. Well, I think so. I yeah. mean, yeah. I, mean uh, but, I mean, we've got Governor Murphy in right. uh, New Jersey who is like, oh, you know, there, some districts in New Jersey decided that they were going to reinstate a mask mandate for students in their districts, which is their right because he left it up to the districts, which it right. should have been from the beginning, was my opinion. Anyway, so everyone was sort of bracing for, oh, God, like, let's not even talk about this. And he comes out and says, you know, it's up to the districts, whatever they want to do. And this is not his form at all. You could tell he's just completely positioning himself to not do anything extreme. And he's like, I don't feel the need to, you know, do anything uh, you know, statewide in terms of mandates. And we're just going to leave it to whomever and everybody take precautions. And he walked away. No, that is not governor Murphy. This is like, wow, November is very close. And, you know, they didn't gain that. I don't think they gained that much traction with the whole SCOTUS leak. Well, and you know the I do wonder how effective these lockdowns are at slowing or stopping the spread because the country that was the most locked down country on the planet is North Korea. They're isolated from the whole rest of the world and they now have millions of people with COVID. I, I just don't think you could put this genie back in the bottle. I, no. I I just think you know it should go by hospitalization rates. I get in the very beginning, you know, there were so many people in the hospitals; they were being overrun, overcrowded. Look, those were good arguments to try to do some sort of, you know, whatever restriction to 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 make sure that these hospitals didn't get overrun. But now, you know, we have a much better way of defending ourselves. We have, um, you know, all types of stuff, and people are not going to the hospital anymore. You know, and and that's a big deal. And that's we're going to have to live with COVID. We're just going to have to live with it, like we live with the flu. We're going to be living with COVID, and that's that's my my take on it. And possibly now monkeypox. Exactly. No, it's nothing to uh, monkey around about. All right. 
Um, David, let me ask you about this. It was an interesting story. I saw PIX11 covered the story that you're involved with. New York um, has for years complained that they lose a lot of money from the sale of uh, untaxed cigarettes. And it's one of these situations where the more they raise the cigarette taxes, the more demand there is for illegal, um, you know, illegal cigarettes and buying these black market cigarettes. Now, you are one of your many titles is you are the executive director of the New York Association of Wholesalers and Distributors. It's a nonprofit trade group. Your business card must be like the yellow pages. Every time I see you, I feel like you have a new new title. Well, well, look, it's really I I represent the industry and, and I represent all the legitimate sellers, whether it's retailers or wholesalers or sub jobbers. So this has been an issue of mine for a, a long time, um, and basically, uh, New York, over you know, at least the last fifteen years, has lost about two point four billion dollars due to untaxed cigarettes. That means we've lost somewhere in the neighborhood of forty billion dollars over the last fifteen years. So when they're trying to get into your pocket, Marlena, <laughs> and they're trying to take more money from you, and they're trying to charge you more in taxes, more in property taxes, you know, look at all the tax money. That the government wastes, okay? And so, you know, if you're going to raise a tax that high, and you're going to create the highest cigarette taxes in the nation. That's what Bloomberg did when he when he raised the tax in the city. The city and state have a joint tax stamp. There's a city portion and there's a state portion. So New York City, New York State has the highest cigarette taxes in the country, but New York City especially has an extra $15. And whether you are, agree with smoking, not smoking, it's an, it's not a smoking issue. It's a revenue issue. So your your argument is it sounds like we need lower taxes and maybe greater well, enforcement. That would be wonderful, but that's never going to happen. They're never going to lower the cigarette taxes. But what they, if you're going to raise a tax that high, you have to close down the marketplace. Right now, we have all these illegal sellers bringing the stuff up from North Carolina. If you put if you put ten cases in your car. You're going to you're going to make yourself you can make yourself fifty thousand dollars just on one car load up. Not we're not even talking about the big trucks that come up from lower Mm. tax states like North Carolina, like Georgia. Okay, so they come up the I-95 corridor. They're all over the place. We have and right now. And if you saw I sent, you know, I I did a special report on this. We went into uh, unlicensed stores. They're all selling untaxed cigarettes. And 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 to the point, and it doesn't sound like much, right? But we're losing over two billion dollars a year. We're losing forty cartons, forty forty thousand um, cartons of taxed. I'm sorry, forty million cartons of taxed cigarettes to untaxed cigarettes. It's 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 the biggest black market in this country. Forget about the the drug market mm. or any of that stuff. So this is a serious problem. We're losing a lot of money. Um, we have stores that that struggle to survive. They rely on this on the sale of this product, and instead, it's going to the uh, illegal sources. About eighty percent of the products sold in New York City is illegal. Only twenty percent is legal. And we're trying to get the government, we're trying to get the tax department to enforce the law to make sure that we get the untaxed product off the streets. So so two billion dollars a year lost in tax dollars. Yeah. So if they had taxed, right? Is that what you're saying? If they had taxed this how would right. they? How would they do it? Like, how would they tax these? The legal? You mean lower the okay, taxes? Okay. Well, no, no. The way we have we have a, a a great structure of collecting taxes. It's through tax stamps. Well, so we have licensed agents that affix tax stamps 
onto packages of cigarettes, and they're sold to all the stores, and that's the way the distribution is supposed to go. It's a highly regulated business. So then how would you get – how would you attack the the, the – the illegal sales of the cigarettes is what I'm trying to say. Right. Did you? So, so you got to. Okay. So the enforcement arm of the tax department, plus the sheriff's office in the city, they have enforcement arms. They could. First of all, there's low hanging fruit. All these there's. They, it's now become. It used to be sold out of the back of trunks and cars. Right. They, you know, the, the illegal sellers don't even need to do that anymore. They're just selling it right. to regular stores on the street. They happen to be unlicensed stores. Mm. So this is this is the stupidity of government. Mm. So government is going to enforce the law right. on all the licensed stores. Right. They're not the ones carrying the illegal cigarettes. It's the unlicensed stores. Right. I, my group, I have compiled lists of hundreds of these stores. I did my own sting operation. I got my own uh, <laughs> undercover investigators. Well, you know, my friend John Tobacco did the same thing. He was recording himself secretly going into bagel stores all around the city and trying to, you know, buy these uh, cigarettes, you know, untaxed. He did? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I have to talk to yeah, him. Yeah, you should. You Interesting. Should. I didn't. Now, I didn't do it myself. I hired... A, a real professional, you know, former, uh, in, you know, NYPD. He was, you know, he's decorated uh, police officer. He's my guy, and he has a team that goes into these stores with undercover video, and they're making illegal buys. And I did it all on video. I sent it to the, to the tax department. I sent it to, um, you know, all uh, 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 enforcement agencies. And, um, you know, they're, they're looking at it, but we could make an extra $2 billion a year if we just enforce the law. And then in 20 years or 20, what, two years, we could buy Twitter then, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's one thing. I think I'm going to add to my byline, cigarette salesperson. There, uh, that's, <laughs> and like the it. irony of John Tobacco going undercover yeah. and buying cigarettes, I mean, come on. Well, I think we all are sort of a prisoner to our name. Right. You know, I've been told many times that uh, that, I, you know, and I, I'm an old soul. And I think it's because, Benjamin you know, a hundred years ago. Right. The name Frank or w- maybe 110 years ago was one of the 10 most popular names in the whole country. Since then, it has fallen in popularity every year. Right. For every year for humans. Yes. So now it's not even in the top 150 names wow. in this country. So. I actually think that maybe I have sort of an older sensibility because people are using to used to interacting with Franks that are much older. And that's sort of rubbed off on my interaction with society and society's interaction with me. That, I'd, be, I'd that, be curious where Marlena was. Wow, you had a lot of time to think no, about well, that. I, mean, I, I wonder I, what's going to happen to Carmine now. I mean, that's exactly. not exactly uh, making the exactly. top 10 baby All names. Right. <laughs> um, speaking of babies, we're going to talk about womb transplants. Speaking of Twitter, we're going to talk about Elon Musk and uh, a whole lot more. David Schwartz is here. He is a former uh, prosecutor. He is an attorney, a lobbyist, and he's apparently the head of this trade group that I didn't even know existed until yesterday, but they're doing a great job. Uh, Marlena Schiavo is here as well. She is a uh, satirist and a a veteran media producer, and uh, a terrific contributor to this program. What we're going to do next is we're going to give somebody an opportunity to win $1,000. We're going to give David Schwartz a ringside seat at the $1,000 minute. If you are the (laughs) seventh caller to 833-969-4447, that's 833-969-4447, we're going to give you an opportunity to answer 10 trivia questions in 60 seconds. That's all coming up on the other side of Midnight Straight Ahead. Frank Marano, 77, WABC. Wow. 
This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Marlena Schiavo is here. As you can hear the song, David Schwartz is here. But now we're going to give uh, a lucky, lucky person an opportunity to win a little bit of money. It is time for... The Other Side of Midnight presents... It's the $1,000 Minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute, and you could win $1,000. Uh-oh. Here's your host, Frank I have a feeling we're in trouble now. I see we have uh, uh, David in the Bronx as today's contestant. Good morning, David. Good morning, Frank. I know you were complaining for a while that you just never seemed to be the seventh caller. You were always the third or the fourth or the fifth. But now here you are, lucky number seven, Mr. Mickey Mantle. Yes, thank you. I've got a little bit of trivia for you before we hit uh, the game. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, You said the Daily News had called you a political hack. I believe they actually called you a political gadfly. Well, they did both in two separate editorials. (laughs) In one... I, I was uh, called a, a court jester with uh, a talent for uh, wasting taxpayer money, and the other was uh, yes. Uh, well, but m- many newspapers have referred to me as a gadfly, and I don't think that's a, I don't think that's an inaccurate description of my political activities. Now, people should know about David. Uh, I I'm, I know David as a caller, and I don't think we've ever met personally, but he's a very very intelligent guy. I will be shocked. I've seen the questions. I will be shocked if he doesn't win this. So, uh, David, you are you got a lot of expectations. I, I'm looking over the questions right now. I don't see one that you're going to get wrong. Knowing what you know about, this is going to be, I think, a cakewalk for you. All right, let's go. All right, you're ready to go. Okay, you know the rules, right? Um, the uh, yes. t- timer will begin after the first question, and then if you get one right, we're just going to move on. What is 50% of four? Two. How many continents are there? Seven. Name one of New York's hockey teams. Rangers. Who was gerrymandering named for? Eldritch Jerry. Name one of the people who currently hosts Jeopardy. Mayim Bialik. What are the colors of the Ukrainian flag? Yellow and blue. Who did Mike Bloomberg defeat to become mayor of New York City in 2001? That would have been the Bronxboro president who's Ferrer. Ah, David, I am shocked. I am glad I didn't uh, bet. Uh, I didn't. I didn't glad I didn't bet. It, it was, was Mark Green. Green. Wasn't it? Mark it was Green. Green. Mark Green. That's right. Uh, That's right. Well, you know, I am impressed. If people don't know David, David is blind, and he still got the question about the Ukrainian flags right. That's how prevalent the the Ukrainian uh, flag waving is, that even blind people know what color the flags are. Uh, David, well, I'm sorry um, that you didn't win, and I'm sorry that you lost your sight. But uh, we are going to give you a very nice The Other Side of Midnight consolation prize. So I'm going to put you on hold. You got uh, six questions right, and you were well on your way uh, to it. But uh, we'll, we'll hopefully you'll play again once you're eligible, David. All right. When is that? 
Um, talk to Philippe. There's, I've heard competing. Okay. I've heard conflicting. Um, I've heard conflicting stories. I think it thirty days. Apparently, I used to hear six months. Now it's apparently it's thirty days. I don't know. Talk to Philippe. Da- uh, get David's information. David's had some, uh, you know, some rough times over the years. Lost his sight. He's, I think, in a homeless shelter now. I was really rooting for him to win that thousand dollars, but pays to know your history, right? You knew that one, right, David, right? Mark Green, of course. I'll yeah. never forget that that race. That was unbelievable. Uh, Bloomberg was down by like 40 points, and then 9-11 uh, took place, and it just changed the whole play. It was, a, you know, it was, it, was, it was unbelievable. I remember how cocky the Mark Green people were also. They thought they were going to be in the, in the mayor, you know, in City oh, Hall. Oh, yeah, they were and measuring I remember the, the person that was going to be his corporation county. They were very cocky. I don't mean to get off on a tangent, but I remember this like yesterday. And uh, and then Bloomberg came back to win. It was an amazing race. It was indeed. All right. Hey, uh, speaking of uh, some political endeavors, um, in New Jersey, you know, we've spoken a lot of in Florida on the radio about the so-called don't say gay bill. Well, apparently that is now coming to New Jersey, at least discussion of something like the don't say gay bill. Marlena, you are a resident New Jersey resident. What's happening in New Jersey as it relates to the so-called don't say gay bill. Okay, so in the break you, you brought up Ed Durr who bit, who won um, the Senate seat and beat, you know, right. Sweeney. The, Sweeney. Right. <clears throat> so he he brought forth this new bill which is very similar to what Florida's doing. Um, and he wants he's introducing the idea that you can't talk about sex anything of a sexual nature, sexual orientation or gender identity between grades K through 6 and then um then I guess six, uh, seven through twelve, you have to get written consent from your uh, parents to have any of this discussed in in a school. I, I don't really know how this is going to fall. Murphy's office, I find this interesting. Murphy didn't comment on this. I'm sure he hates Ed Durr. I mean, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that um, he didn't have a great relationship with Sweeney. You know? Oh no, no, absolutely. But um, he, uh, but he has said in the past about this same topic that you know. The fact that they're using it um, for politics and, 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 you know, that it's a shame and that it makes things uh, – it makes everything more divisive. And I'm like, that's exactly what most things do in politics, first <laughs> first of all. And, um, and that's exactly what the Dems did with the Supreme Court leak, right? Like they're trying to win points. And that's what he's saying. He's like the Republicans are trying to win points with this one. For people who are very conservative, obviously, and it's like, well, that's exactly what you guys were doing, even though you won't admit it. But uh, this legislation, because both houses are controlled by the Democrats, this has no chance of passing, though. I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I, I, first of all, you already need a consent from your parents right. for all of this stuff. So it's, it's, you know. I, I don't know. I think it's just, again, it's just more about um, positioning themselves and yeah. where they stand. Yeah, it is very interesting. Uh, you have a lot of these minority legislators in every state, including New York and New Jersey, who end up um, proposing these bills that make them popular with their own base, may help them with fundraising. But there's no real shot that this could ever well, be enacted. Well, yeah, in New York, we had when we had a Republican state Senate, a Democratic Assembly, there were bills all the time. And you knew they weren't going anywhere. The scary part about today in New York, I hate to bring it back to New York, is these bills are actually passing because you have these supermajorities in both houses. But I, when, I, when Marlena was, was talking, I, I was thinking about, all right, so now you have the eighth grader that doesn't have the consent form mm. signed. So now, like, the teacher is going to be like, all right, we're going to talk about sex, everybody, <laughs> you know. 
you're out of the class, you're out of the class. Can you guys wait out in the hallway right now so so I, I could teach about sex education for the next half hour? You <laughs> I know? would hope that they would be a little bit more organized than that. Like the day before, they're like, okay, here's a list of kids who can learn this, and here's a list that can. <laughs> they're going to go to study hall, if that even exists anymore. It's probably a technology lab. Um, <laughs> or they're going to, I don't know. Study hall. Either way. <laughs> Study hall. I like that. Uh, <laughs> That's <all right>. old school. <clears throat> I like that a lot. Study hall. Uh, but it is, it is interesting. Hey, um, so we were talking about Elon Musk and Twitter. Now, apparently, um, he, Elon Musk is going to be canceled now. He's kicked what? off that. So <laughs> what is – I've been so eager to talk about this uh, for the last three hours, but I knew you were coming in, and I, I was very – I couldn't – I was salivating at the prospect of hearing your commentary on this. For people that don't know the story, explain what's happened with respect to these latest allegations and – your take on it, Marla. Well, I guess, I mean, it, it, this is like social credit on the professional level, right? So they're basically saying he's not up to snuff and they're, he, he can't trade anymore. You can't, you can, what, you can't buy Tesla anymore? Is that, is that what's happening? They're trying to devalue Tesla, Tesla. No, no, I'm wrong. No, no, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm shaking uh, my head. No. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, so they're saying that, um, after they've done, you know, a thorough sort of investigation of the, his company that, um, there's a lot of racism. They love to throw the word racism in there. Um, and that's it, it, even they're saying he's not as environmental as he's supposed to be or Tesla's not as environmental as, as they're supposed to be or they don't contribute or, you know, uh, to being environmental. And so I, this is, you know, this is exactly what he said was going to happen. That's sort of where I'm going with this, because the whole Twitter thing that's going on right well, he now. He also said, if I die suspiciously, you know, don't believe it or something. Right. I mean. Well, no, he's going to say, like, you know, under suspicious circumstances, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But he – okay, so he also said something very similar to what I have said and what uh, Bill Maher has been saying, and which is, you know, I always voted Democrat, um, but ever – because they he, – he said they were the party of kindness. And then he's like, but now they've just become the party of hate, and so I will be voting Republican. Now watch – now watch the attack on my character, yeah. and he put like a popcorn emoji. And yep. now look what's happening. Yeah, it's a, it's a groundswell of attacking anything that's not part of the narrative, and that's what that's the right. way we're living. I feel I'm the same exact way. I I am a I am an exact independent. Middle of the ground voter, you know, my ballot is all over the place. But the Democratic Party has really gone so far off the deep end right. that I have no choice but being a Republican right now, I guess, with my votes. So it's not an, I, I think most people, a lot of people feel the same exact way. I speak to Democrats all the time. In fact, in my, my neighborhood is all de- Democratic and and the Republicans got so many votes in the last election. So I'm that's sure. the way it's going. But they're also they're also raising the fact that apparently SpaceX paid a quarter of a million dollars to this flight attendant who accused Elon <laughs> Musk of uh, sexual harassment or something. Right. I mean, so it does become, you know, it, it, is it his turn in the barrel for being canceled because he can kind of upend Twitter and social media as we know it if he really follows through on a lot of these free speech things that he's talking about. Well, right. But 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 that that's the whole idea, don't you think? That is what yeah, he's being absolutely. canceled. I totally Completely. believe that's what, what's happening. Um, you know, um, I wish he would just go forth with it. I know he wants to figure out how many bots are actually on Twitter and well, everything. I, mean, I don't really understand right. the delay with yeah. all of that, but... I, well, I wish he would just. John Katzmatidis said, and he knows a thing or two about being a billionaire, that he thinks Musk is trying to get a lower price, that he doesn't want to 
buy it for $44 billion. He wants to try it now that the stock market, especially tech stocks, have fallen. Mm-hmm. He wants to use this as a negotiating plea to get it for maybe $30 billion, oh, You know, So yeah. he thinks that's what part of the delay is. I would is prefer about. $30 billion too. Well, of course. <laughs> 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 but but uh, it does, you know, the Musk thing, and it's not a perfect analogy, but it reminds me a great deal of Julian Assange. You know, Julian Assange in WikiLeaks he published all this damaging uh, information to people, all revealed all this stuff, and then all of a sudden they found all these sex crimes that he had purportedly right, committed. Right. And Elon Musk, same thing. I never heard anything about you know people being paid hush money for sexual misconduct. Now here he is ready to unleash Twitter, and all of a sudden he's a, a serial sexual yeah. harasser and a hush money artist. But, but when you right. have billions of dollars like that, you're not going to be canceled. He's not going to be canceled because he's got billions and billions of dollars to fight that, and as opposed to the normal, average, everyday person who can't fight being canceled, he's not going to be canceled. In fact, it's going to increase his brand with the majority of the people out there. And and it's a typical negotiation ploy. So... So he will buy it one day, but for a much lower price. Well, I certainly hope so. Before we run out of time, uh, Marlene, I want to get We're running your take. out of time. I can't believe it. I know, but neither can I. Yeah. Well, I, I can. I've been here. I've done a lot of radio oh. this week. Um, but um, I, I want to get your take on this womb transplant. I, explain. Oh, right. I've never heard of a womb transplant before. What is? Uh, neither have I. But. <laughs> But but this story came out about uh, um, a transgender woman in India, right? in India, who um, would like to have a you know a uterus, and so this doctor is agreeing to perform this surgery on her because um, reason being she wants to feel as female as possible, um, and apparently there has been. Um, other womb transplants, but for um, cisgender women, um, the first it was done in 1931. And the woman died because it's mm. just, you know, because it's like a lung transplant, really, in the end. It's any organ, if your body doesn't sure. accept it or whatever. What I guess my question is, if this transgender woman gets this uterus and then can carry a baby, then how does that baby get all like is how is that baby affected by the hormones that the transgender woman has to take in order to be a a woman. That's a good question. I have no idea. And then there's really no actual birth canal, right? So then you would have to, I guess, inevitably really have a C-section, right? Right, right. right. So many more questions than answers. Uh, yeah. And I, I guess, I guess for me, do you, I don't care. Do you what need you a do. donor? Do you need a donor? I mean, a womb. You a need womb a viable. Donor, right, right. I know you need like a viable. Now there's another industry. <laughs> there you go. If, if I That's, see, if the next time you're here, if you're the executive director of the <laughs> of the womb donor trade association, then well, I am calling well, shenanigans. Womb, womb regulator. And it could be sex toys, also oh, like we yeah. were talking about earlier. So, he, so he and I were talking about sex toys in the green room. The, the, I, you you regulated that. Sex toy. That. We're talking about the concept of regulating the sex toy industry. I had no idea. This was so such I will have all these. Room. Next time you see me, I will be the executive director of the sex toy regulation industry. The the womb donor association. <laughs> If, if your mother can you know. see you now, that would be great. All right. Um, all right. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Hey, speaking of uh, of transplants, I got this uh, great email here. I hope this works out. And I love the, I love the way the, the, the person uh, phrased this. This is the email subject. This is the email subject. I mentioned how um, several of our listeners are trying to get a kidney. And this person mm. in this email subject says, attention, Frank. Kidney, get your kidney here, ice cold kidney. And uh, this fella, Brian, 
wants to donate. Uh, so hopefully we'll get uh-huh. at least one kidney. But we have a lot of listeners that need kidneys. So if um, if you're listening to this ri- show right now and you want to give a kidney away, email me and we'll take it. Uh, Frank.Moreno at WABCRadio.com. Uh, we have Steve from Manhattan who's an off-the-book surgeon. He could do the surgery. Frank.Moreno at WABCRadio.com. I think it would be such a great story if we could get a whole bunch of kidneys and then give them out to people that need them, not just to anybody. And um, it'd be great. So if you're thinking about giving a kidney away, it's a really a, uh, as a living donor, it's an easy way to get into heaven. I mean, you can really sin the whole rest of your life and still probably get into heaven. Two, it's, you save someone's life, which is nice. And it's great publicity for this radio show if we can be responsible for saving a lot of lives. So you're three for three. So if you want to give a kidney away, email me, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. And Brian, who wrote to me, will I'll be in touch with you a little bit later. It's beautiful. Yeah. Do uh, you, you want to par- give yours away? I mean, come on. we got I, like I'm a trend I'm considering going. it. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, what are you are doing people this giving away uh, baby formula at all? Or? <laughs> no, no? <laughs> not 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 from what we're not giving it away. I'll tell you that. Uh, are you hoarding it? Are you are you is is, ja- is is cats helping you? No, it's a good question. It's a good question. You know, because um, my <laughs> mom, me. my mom, she like has all these sources for baby formula all over the place. So she's been. She goes all over the place searching for baby formula, and she buys it, and she a brings new it over. Title for her, uh, yeah, baby formula searcher, I guess, or gatherer. And so my wife had to tell her, "All right, we have three weeks worth of supply now. Please don't buy any more because there's other people that you that need it." So we are specifically not hoarding beyond, I think, a two two or three week <sighs> supply. It's like the new hand sanitizer. It's true, although there's now an abundance. Remember that New York State hand sanitizer that they made. Yeah, they have apparently like millions yeah, of gallons. They were making of it. it in the in the jails. Yeah, yeah. So they have all this hand sanitizer that they can't get rid of, and it's going to cost millions to dispose of this stuff now. It's oh a big problem. Well, why can't they, they could just give it away. Uh, that'll be a new one. You know, I was thinking. Let's about, collaborate on that. Well, yeah. can, maybe we can do something on that. You know, I was thinking about like when you said Frank is an old school name. You know, Marlene is a very cool name. It's like, true. I, 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 like, it's like I was just thinking about what a cool name. Do you like it, your name, Marlena? I, I'm used to it at this yeah. point, yeah. but yeah. I, but it is an old name. <laughs> All right, too, by um, the way. we're gonna do 15 seconds of fame. When we come back. If you okay. want to be heard for 15 seconds, eight three three nine six nine four 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 seven. New number eight three three. Nine six nine four 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 seven. David, how did you enjoy your first foray into the uh, th- other side was, of midnight? This was eye opening. This was this this was an eye opening experience. I've always wanted to do this. I would always joke, text you, joke around. I'm going to do the show. Yeah, I'm hey, going to come into the studio. Well, I'm going to do the show. Now that we and know this you're... has been eye opening, and and to have Marlena Absolutely. here as such a, a treat that was like. Now that I we know, know you're capable of <laughs> coming in at this hour, yeah. then consider yourself booked regularly, yeah. Marlena. Um, it was a pleasure having you here as well. It was a, I'm sure it, I'll see you. It was a pleasure to come here so. and not have um, a shooting outside the building. <laughs> you know, I got nervous. I'm on the Citizen app, right? The uh-huh. Citizen app. Uh-huh. And a woman was assaulted 0.2 miles from here. Mm-hmm. And this is a nice neighborhood. And I was concerned because you hadn't yet arrived that it might have been you. Uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. very relieved that you weren't. So uh, thoughts go out to that woman that was assaulted, but we're glad it wasn't anybody yeah. else. All right. 833-969-4447. 15 seconds of fame straight ahead. We are New York on New York's Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano.
My thanks to uh, Andy B. for this uh, terrific song, which is headed for the annals of the Music Hall of Fame. Uh, in fact, no less an authority than Sid Rosenberg yesterday, who they used to call, he knows a thing about music, they used to call him Sid the Song Savant, mentioned, so what is that song you play? What is that song you play at the, at the end there? That you were talking about. I said, oh, it's just called The Other Side of Midnight. And then there's one that's just Other Side of Midnight. So, yeah, it's really great. So, there you go. You had a fan in uh, Sid Rosenberg, Andy. All right, without further ado, it is time for you to be heard for 15 seconds. If you want to be heard, give us a call, 833-969-4447. That's 833-969-4447. It's time for... The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. Mike in New Jersey. Mike. Hello? Yeah, I got you. Go ahead. Frank, Elon Musk uh, will be voting Republican. Word is AOC will be trading her Tesla in for an e-bike. Maybe she'll get a paper route to go with it. <laughs> uh, Victor in Manhattan. Uh, when she was asked, what are UFOs? Ilan Omar scholarly replied, UFOs are ugly female orangutans. All right. Troy in West Babylon. Run. Troy, I'm not hearing you. And finally, Roger in Massachusetts. Yeah, hi. You know, I heard a statistic that uh, if a woman's mother never had any children, she won't either. Uh, you know, I'm waiting for the... I thought there was a joke here. I thought that was a setup for a joke. I was waiting for the punchline. I don't know. Hey, have a great weekend, everybody. I'll be back at 1 a.m. Um, Frank Moreno, good day. <laughs> 